0: is out of the net so the extra attacker is on kyle connor a shot from
1: far out the jet score the insurance marker they have a two goal lead here late in the third As she takes a look he's going to try to take it all the way down
2: Samsonov stops it. Getting there there is Smith. Wrap around. He
1: scores.
2: Craig Smith grabbed the puck back in the nets.
3: Carried out to the far post and wrapped one home. It's a double overtime
4: winner. Throws it back to LeBron. One second left. Has to shoot a three. He oh! made it. LeBron made a three to beat the shot clock. Lakers lead 103-100.
3: So you made your trip to the grocery store, gotten your Doritos, gotten your popcorn, get a hole up inside Ziggy and watch a little leaps and halves.
1: Don't go outside. I can't wait. It's finally here. Uh, As hard as this was on the players, it was hard on us too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure obviously it's a little bit different for them. but. I'm sorry covering the same games 3 days in a row and same teams it's just like okay let's get to the playoffs we know what this Leafs team has to do they could have gone 56 and 0 and I don't think it would have I don't I don't think it was one of those seasons it would have mattered if they would have gone 56 and 0 we we said they were going to win the division they were supposed to win it um they had a great regular season like we've talked all week This is a team that's improved every week. They have something to prove. Um, They've made great additions. They fit in well, made deals at the deadline. Everyone wants a, a rougher, more physical team. We added that. Matthews took his game to the next level. We've got somebody different in net for those who doesn't didn't want Anderson. There's like, there's a little bit of something for everybody starting tonight. And there's a dozen things to kind of look forward to. And those are just some of them. Whatever happened to car flag guy? Oh, let me tell you about car flag. Well, where do you want to go with this? Well, I just,
3: <laughs> about 20 years ago, Ziggy car flags were everything. You flew the flag of your favorite team. Come playoff time. I've been looking for the car flags
1: and they're coming I out don't today. See let me tell you this, unless they're having a hard time getting them. Cause I don't think you can, I don't, think car flags are essential. I know when you go into a Walmart and I've gone for some essentials, some f- some food or 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 cleaning products, you can't get like all the aisles are all blocked off. So I don't know if the car flag aisle is open or not. It should be in Toronto cuz I feel like that's the big thing you look for. I remember car flags weren't big, but when I played when I was in junior, I had the license plate covers you know the things that go around the yes. outside Kingston Front was Yes that? I had an 87 Toyota Cam- Toyota Camry and a blue one oh boy. and I had an old Go Leafs go the 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 trim for around the license plate and I would put it on my car every
3: play I bet you just <laughs> I bet you just slammed the beats out of that tape deck until the play button stopped working and you couldn't push it in anymore
1: no, I will tell you this. For music back then, I had one of the. It was a tape deck, but it was the tape deck with the wires into a CD player that was oh, taped to boy. the console. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> don't say it's not high tech. But yeah, I'm. I'm. You know the the car flags. Um, I haven't seen any yet, but I'm sure they all come out today. Um, I'm looking for more than just car flags, though, or window flags, whatever. What, like, what, I don't even know what you call them these days. But I want like. See, Oh, I did see seat covers. I I needed, I had a, I had some work to do on my car. My car broke down, brought it in for servicing. And somebody came in this week with the headrests with leaf covers on them. And I don't think they were, I don't think you keep those on all season. I think that's a playoff thing. So okay. I, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'll see, but Seeing see, more, the, yeah. the
3: thing with seat covers is they're harder to see, right? The car flag, the car flag is pretty obvious. So that's huge. I walked into work this morning and we have a COVID screen every day that we come in here. Rogers is doing a really good job with that. So you, you do your COVID screen and you sit for 15 minutes, but a bunch of people got a bunch of different cordoned off little cubicles that you sit in individually. I walked by two Austin Matthews jerseys on my way in the The jerseys. will come out Mm -hmm. repping today. So that's good. I mean, we're doing our best here in this crazy situation to try to, celebrate this and be excited about it. We, we saw the Jets and the Oilers last night. What a weird vibe that was in that there mm-hmm. were no fans, Ziggy, right? Because it's crazy how much you get used to the old thing when you start to see it again. We've been watching American-based playoff games with fans in the stands. And the Jets-Oilers last night, of course, didn't have any of those. And here's the thing. We heard all of the talk before the Jets Oilers series, right? Winnipeg limped into the playoffs. The Jets have had some injuries. Connor Hellebuck has not looked like the Vesna Trophy winner for the last month, month and a half of the season. And there's no doubt that that contributed to Winnipeg's struggles. We were reminded repeatedly Bufflin's gone, Truba's gone, Tyler Myers is gone. Winnipeg's defense has gone, undergone a significant overhaul. This is not the same Jets team of a couple of years ago. What chance do they have of beating the Edmonton Oilers? And I don't know if they've got a good chance of beating the Edmonton Oilers in a best of seven, but they won the hockey game last night on the road. And so my question for my fellow Leafs fan is this. If something similar happens tonight at Scotiabank Arena, and the Montreal Canadiens do a great job of shutting down Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander the way the Jets shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Are we going to be okay? Or are we going to be doing the Nick Walenda on a tightrope over Niagara
1: Falls? Well, last night, the Jets relied on their forecheck, and you mentioned prior to the show that you thought that It was a third-man high, and I agree. They did a good job keeping three across the neutral zone, three across their own blue line, and I don't want to get into the details of a four-check or a three-back, but it was very effective. They had a strong two-man four-check that was somewhat physical, but I would say it was more more hard work and more intelligence than just two guys running around on the ice because they had turnovers and just keeping a third guy high is not going to shut down a dry side or McDavid and a third guy high is not going to shut down a Matthews, or Marner. So when you see it, you say, okay, yeah, that's great. Sooner or later, those guys are going to figure it out. Whether it's the first game or second game or third game, you're not going to be able to contain those guys through a series with that. So it's got to be more than just keeping a third guy back. I think with Matthews and Marner, it's going to come down to Montreal being more physical on them. The problem with playing physical is that if you haven't done it all year, it's not a light switch where you just come into game one and you say, okay, we're going to be physical here. They've tried it in other games against the Leafs and it hasn't worked. So I I don't know if the Canadians – can sustain that kind of physicality throughout a game or through a series. If they do, it will be a series. And that's what I've warned about leading up to this the last couple of weeks, once they knew they were playing the Canadians, Toronto has dominated them in the regular season, right? And we said, well, Winnipeg wasn't very good to finish the season. Look at them in game one. And I told you about Winnipeg with what Paul Maurice had to say they're not too concerned about the end of the season he knows where they are and look what happened in game one does it matter that if they would have lost their last 20 games of the regular season when you come and win game one it doesn't but through 10 games with Toronto and Montreal Toronto went 7-2-1 taking 15 of 20 possible points and that's why they're favored they have Matthews and Marner two of the best in the league you've got the guy with the most goals you've got the hottest goaltender in the NHL I don't care what you say, Bo Campbell say oh well, it's some of the games were easy and he got lots of support from his team. And it's, it's the honeymoon period. I don't care. That's not a two week, good string of games. This is a guy that's come in and proved himself. He's earned the to start the playoffs. They have him. The back end for Toronto is better than last year. They're favored to win this series. um, And I, I would be very surprised if Montreal came out on top. Are they going to give them a series? Is it going to be tough on them? I think it can. I think it can. And I've outlined that it's physicality. It's going to be what happens in that. I know they're showing clips of Carey price in practice. How mad he was getting. I don't know. If, I, I know he's a competitive guy and the best goaltenders I've played with like a Brizgalloff, Like when he was at his peak, he used to count the pucks in net um, and slash you. If you score too many goals going by him, it's only game. Yeah, Carey Price is a a competitive guy, and if he's feeling okay from, if he's not as banged up as we think, that's another X factor for me. Is Carey Price a net? What's he going to look like tonight? Because if he's not making, if he's not giving the Canadians timely saves, there's no chance. Um and I don't know what's going on with the Montreal lines, Like, Kotkaniemi and Kott, like I don't know if they're just, they were practicing on the power, not even, they weren't even practicing the power play. And everyone's saying, oh, they're working on the PP. They're working on five on three. It wasn't some third, oh, okay, if these guys come in the lineup, we're going to give them a shot. They were working on five on three systems when they showed them in practice this past week. So I have a hard time believing they're not in the lineup. Um, I know we'll find out later today and the offenses I Toronto's offense from top to bottom Montreal doesn't come close to what they can offer it's it's four lines that can get you goals I don't know who the third line on the Leafs is I just think it's right now it's a top and bottom a top six and bottom six and you know I like three lines that can beat you but the Thornton Simmons and Spezza I just that that line I'm can go and do some damage against you. So there's lots of reasons to be confident. If you're the Leafs, we've seen them all talk. We've seen Keith do his presser and and how relaxed he is. And he knows what his team's going to do tonight. I'm, I'm excited that it's finally here though. Oh God. Yeah. Finally, finally in,
3: it's been four plus months and, and this is all that has mattered. As you said earlier, we knew they were going to make it. We we figured they were even going to win the North division. We would have been disappointed if they haven't. So so this is all it. The, the, Austin Matthews' 40-plus goal season is is out the window now. Clean slate, start anew. These guys have all taken next steps. The expectation is success. It sounds like Zach Bogosian is going to play tonight for the Leafs and return from a shoulder injury and draw in, it would appear, for Travis Dermott. So Rasmus Sandin was skating with Bogosian on the third pairing at yesterday's skate. So, I mean, it could be Dermot, could be Sandin. We'll wait and we'll see. I'm just going off of the lines that were reported. Uh, You and I weren't at the skate yesterday, but it looked like Sandin was getting some reps with, with Zach Bogosian. So that's a little bit of the present Ziggy colliding with the future. Rasmus Sandin could be a big part of this thing.
1: Yeah, I I think that's going to be huge if if Bogosian can come back and he's feeling healthy enough to, you know, that's this is what they brought him in for. They didn't bring him to finish first in the in the division. They came to have him with this team in the playoffs and kind of lead the way. There's a lot of stuff that goes on throughout the playoffs in the middle of games where you want guys with experience, guys that have been there before, and having a guy that has won recently. I think matters with this team. I think putting him with a guy like Sandine, young guy, you can kind of have him settle in. I think they'll look good together. But any of those three guys on the bottom pair, I'm like, I, I'm fine if Dermot plays. I'm fine if Sandine, you know, he he doesn't play in, in on all the games. Yes, I love him on the power play. I think he deserves to be in the lineup. But that's just depth now. Now you have seven guys that can go out there and play. And I know Sandine's going to be on that first power play unit with Matthews, Thornton, Marner, and Hyman. But how is five on five going to look for him? You can kind of protect him a little bit with Bogosian and on that third pairing. You know, get him, get him 13, 14 minutes with a couple minutes on the PP. I I, I, I like that for Sandine. But the playoffs are going to be different. We've seen from the game so far this pa- this past week. It is, it's not the regular season. The intensity's up. Every check is finished. Goals are tough to come by. Getting chances are tough to come by. Special teams play a huge role and goaltending and all those things are going to matter from the, for the least. They're not just going to go out there tonight and say, okay, let's play our usual game. We know we're going to go through the neutral zone. We're not going to get touched as much in our own end. Things are, you know, just go boxing one in our own end. I think they're going to have to raise the intensity level up in their own end. I think the four check's going to have to be a little bit harder, and they're going to have to expect more tough situations from the Canadians. I think the Canadians are going to be better defensively than they were in what we've seen during the regular season. It's going to happen. And the, the thing for the Leafs is can they stay patient if Montreal executes their game plan? And when Montreal's physical, what are we going to do? And I don't know if you want to debate this one, but are we going to see Toronto run around, play a different game, or are they going to do the same thing they've been doing this year without like out unraveling in a sense where a lot of times when skilled players or skilled teams get in the playoffs, they try to match what the other team is doing. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think that will happen. That's that's a coaching thing where you got to settle guys and settle the emotion down. Because guys are going to be, like, we're excited for the playoffs. These guys are going to be excited for the playoffs. No
3: question about it. And we're going to play a little yay or nay in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll get Hugh in for the panel. And we'll do a bunch of prop-style yays or nays. And there's some over-unders in there as well. And and I think in response to what you just said, Ziggy, if the Leafs score an early goal or two tonight, you get the Montreal Canadiens chasing this thing. I think that's going to be really, really difficult for the Habs to come back. I, I think the only way that the Leafs even potentially start to come out of their game is if they feel the need to match some level of intensity or physicality because the Habs have gotten a, an ugly goal or they've capitalized on a mistake. They've got a two-goal lead, something like that. I, I think if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you are carrying, the, even if you're down at points in this series and games, if you're carrying the play and generating more chances and more high quality scoring chances, I think there's just a stick with itness that you've got to have cuz ultimately it's going to
1: play out in your favor. Well, during the season you have you you can extend shifts, you can stay out for the power play for a minute and a half. You, you if you're at the end of your shift and there is an offensive, there's a chance there might be an odd man rush, you can stay out there. What I'm looking for out of the big 4 In Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, and Marner is them to keep their shifts shorter by about 10 seconds, not extend themselves. I'd like to see the Leafs roll over four lines as long as possible, as long as everybody's going. And I know matchups are important in the playoffs, but if you put these four lines against each other, I don't think it matters if you're the Leafs. Like, there's not a matchup that I'm looking for that's gonna give me an edge. Obviously, Keith's gonna want Matthews out and Marner against a certain line. He's gonna want Tavares and Elander, but I wouldn't focus on it. Like if Montreal wants to throw out whoever against Matthews, I don't even know who they're gonna throw. They wanna throw Stall out against them. You wanna throw Suzuki's line out against them. Like I I don't know what Ducharme's gonna to wanna to do it with it with the Canadians lineup, but if you're Keefe, you just wanna you, you wanna wear them down. I I I don't think this is. I don't think it's a matchup series for me. If they just find a way and don't extend yourself, not long shifts, it's going to be about being unselfish out there for the for the Leaf stars. I know the pressures on Matthews and Marner and Tavares as the captain, and people want to see Nylander better than what he's done in the playoffs last couple of years. I don't know if you remember two years ago what happened in the playoffs and what his series against Boston looked like, but there he's going to have a little bit of pressure on him as well, but with Matthews and Marner just it's, it's about the team right now. It's not about who scores. Obviously they're all going to have to play well, but I want to see Toronto wear down the Canadians, not worry about individual performances, not worried about if the games, you know, zero zero going into the, you know, midway through a game and no one has, you know, it's, it's a tight checking game. You don't want players trying to do something all by themselves. That's kind of one of my worries where Matthews might say, okay, this game's way too tighter than it should be right now. I'm going to go and do something special. It's okay to do something special, but not outside of their system and the game plan that Toronto sets. And I think it's going to be by wearing Montreal down with three, four lines. It's not going to be a, a single performance that that's going to take Toronto over the top.
3: Gord Stellick will join us in about 10 minutes time. And Shane Corson is due up later in the show. Andrew Raycroft will get into the Bruins and caps, big double overtime win for Boston last night. If you didn't see how it happened, we uh, will break it down. Get into it. Not pretty. Alex Ovechkin, not happy after the game. Stewie and Bourne at 830 for hockey central at 830. We do it each and every Thursday here on leadoff. Kevin Barker will be along for the half hour at 7.30, we will talk Jays, Major League Baseball. There was another no-hitter. You can, you can time no-hitters in baseball to your late-night snacking hour now. There, there's one a day. There's one a day. It's incredible. And Masai Ujiri addressed the media yesterday. We were previewing this a lot on the show yesterday morning, Ziggy. He says there is nothing new on his contract talks. This guy is essentially now a free agent. Not technically yet, because the contract hasn't expired as of today, but he is essentially a free agent. Nothing new, he says on his contract talk. So Masai, what's the timeline?
5: Honestly, like, uh, Larry's, Larry's been great uh, to me. I, I know that um, we'll have those conversations, and at the same time, uh, I know that all the options I'm trying to weigh, both family Everything that I'm thinking of, you know, um, direction of of what I want to do, I think it will work out um, how, however the timing plays out to be.
3: Okay. And then he was asked, Ziggy, about the plan. Obviously, they took a step back this year. They had some injuries. They had the COVID situation. They played in Tampa. It wasn't pretty. Should they have traded Kyle Lowry? They didn't. And then he hardly played down the stretch, and it looked like a tank. We're two years removed from the Larry O'Brien Trophy being hoisted in this city. What's the plan?
5: Uh, everybody says, you know, like blank check, blank check. But yeah, uh, that that I, I'm I'm not uh, as much, you know, like focused on 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 blank check. Uh, other than um, uh, a lot of the things that uh we've done here we have to move forward as a franchise to compete with the best in the nba this is all about winning a championship again yeah? uh, let me tell you something guys guys are, everybody has forgotten what has happened here <laughs> two years ago okay yes we won nobody cares anymore okay we want to win another one that's what you want to do yeah you want to prepare yourself to win another one not playing the playing game not playing the playoffs you want to win a championship Everybody's like, why won't you get in the plane? Plane for what? We want to win a championship here.
3: So Masai says, look, the money's the money. The blank check he was referring to, obviously, was his contract situation. And this is a guy who's going to make eight figures a year if he remains with the Toronto Raptors. But he wants to meet with ownership. Larry Tannenbaum in particular, that's who Larry is that he was referring to and get a better understanding of of where their heads are at. I can't imagine these talks haven't been happening and happening for a while, Ziggy. This is high-priority stuff. The challenges will always be the same for this Toronto Raptors team, and that is luring free agents north of the border, luring American players north of the border. He pushed his chips into the middle of the table, went and got Kawhi Leonard. That paid off. You do that deal a hundred times out of a hundred, even if they'd fallen short and lost to the Sixers or to the Bucks, I would still defend that trade. That's a bet on yourself trade. You went and you got, even though he'd only played nine games the year before you went and you got one of the best players in the world. When healthy, Messiah jury is willing to be aggressive. And I think he wants to make sure he's got the backing of ownership and he understands that he's, I mean, he's going to have to get creative. He's going to have to be aggressive to put this team back into the upper echelon because it's just difficult to lure American-born and raised players to this city by their own choice.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if that's ever going to... Like, I don't... We've had Maasai here, like, how long now? I don't think... I don't think Maasai is going to be able to do that on his own. I don't think... I'm. I, if I had to lean one way or the other, I don't think Toronto's ever going to be a destination for free agents. It's it's not. I, I it, if it if you think it is, explain to me how it's going to happen. Unless you grossly overpay for a player, I don't know how it's going to happen. I I've played in small market teams in the U.S. and I know how hard it is to get free agents there. And unless you overpay for a guy, it just doesn't happen. And Toronto, just remember we remember a couple of years ago, it was like once we win, once you know what happened when they won the championship, free agents are going to want to come here. Uh, You know, we're, we're going to be looked at differently in the U S we're going to have all the primetime games on television, on TNT and, and whatnot. None of that happened. None of it. The free agents didn't want to come. We're still us against the world. It's still, it's still like that. Nothing's changed and we won a championship and we have Masai who's probably the best president, general manager, scout talent finder not in basketball. You could go in the world of all professional sports and Messiah is going to be in, in your top three or four um, people in management in professional sports. And the fact that it, it's, he's having trouble. Like, I don't know what the problem, like, okay, he, the, there's no number for Messiah. He can sign for it. He wants, I don't understand about the luxury tax. He, did he not say yesterday that, I've been given, I'm allowed, I've been told by man, by the ownership I can spend into luxury tax. Did he not? He yeah, said and that. and there's
3: also, there's bird rights, etc. Yeah, you can re-sign so, your own certain guys. Don't so count against what, the
1: cap. So what does he want from ownership? That's what I didn't understand, and I, I, maybe I missed well, something. This or is, this is this, the thing. So, yeah. I, I just keep
3: coming back, Ziggy. Until the pen is on paper, you can't convince me he's returning.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not, uh, the fact that it's gone, if I had to lean one way or the other, I say he's not coming back. When he got emotional when asked about how the players love him, I I, I thought he was gone. I, as soon as I see that, and I know is an emotional guy, and he tells you exactly what he's thinking. And when he's upset, he'll tell you about it. But I just, I think this team, I, I don't think he's coming back from what I heard and what I saw yesterday. The fact that he's not signed by now. I I'm not too optimistic about it. And it's just, it's
3: just so strange that it's dragged out this long and that there's no indication that anything one way or the other is immediate. We will play that clip where Masai got emotional in just a little bit on the other side, Gord Stelic to continue teeing up game one of the Leafs and Habs tonight. And we'll get to the Twitter troll poll question. It's a pretty obvious one next.
5: Phillip Dano down with the pass was off a leg
0: bouncing to the far side Matthews up on the wing for Tavares the captain is in across the line Tavares going to the net with the pass and they score
5: Morgan Riley wins the game in overtime
3: that was so long ago now hope it doesn't go to overtime tonight Let's just let's just good neat and tidy win It's like the Winnipeg Jets have over the Edmonton Oilers last night. Uh, The Twitter troll poll at Scotty Mac. Thanks at Mike Zygamanis at UW Burl at fan 590. It's an easy one today. Prediction time. How will the Leafs have series play out? You've got four options. The Leafs in four or five. The Leafs in six or seven. Habs in four or five. Habs in six or seven. And almost. I'm just doing the math here. 83% of respondents think the Leafs are going to win. And 50% Ziggy think it's going to be a sweep or in five games. So there's a lot of confidence in Leafs Nation right now. And speaking of Leafs Nation, here is the co-host with Nick Alberga of Leafs Nation pre and post here on Sportsnet 590, the fan Gord Stellick. And you're going to be hearing Gord a lot on this program, especially mornings after games. So we'll chat to Gord again tomorrow. Gord, it's finally here, pal, like four plus months of waiting. We knew the Leafs were going to make the playoffs. We figured they'd win the division. Austin had a great year. Mitch had a great year. There's a new goaltender in town. It seems like finally the real work begins.
6: Let's get it going. It seems like it's been four months since they last played. So let's get it going tonight. But you're, you know, you're Scott and Ziggy, you're right for the, really the first time in this this modern era since the rebuild. They had a regular season that was hoped for, and, uh, and coming into a playoffs, this is the first time that they could be listed as a favorite. I mean, Columbus was a bit of a different animal because of the bubble and all those things, but you're right, you're right. Just uh, carry on all that they did, and let's hope it carries on in the playoffs.
1: We've been talking all year about no matter what the Big Four do during the regular season, none of it's going to matter until the playoffs who do you think enters game one tonight with the most pressure on their shoulders?
6: Yeah, you know, we, we saw that last night with Edmonton, how it doesn't matter, right? The regular season, what Winnipeg did, did to Edmonton that way. So I think, you know, and McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't able to come through. So you could say it's, it's, it's Matthews and Marner. I, I've loved the way Matthews played last year in the bubble. He's the one guy who was real solid. I think, Ziggy, it's, it's the second line. It's John Tavares. Uh, it's William Nylander. Uh I don't think there's pressure yet. I think there's pressure when you start if you lose the first game or whatever. If it gets a little close in games, but you know that that really is their strength. They can throw two lines uh, out there that nobody can touch in the Scotia North Division, and not many teams can touch in the National Hockey League. So uh, you really got to get that one-two punch going offensively. I mean, geez, Marner Matthews, what? They're in the top five in scoring. I, I, I feel they'll uh, they'll come out firing. I think it's I think it's the second line offense, that'll
3: be the key. With Gord Stellick on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Ziggy and I are trying to put ourselves in the shoes of Oilers fans and what might be going on on Edmonton Sports Talk Radio once everybody wakes up and that all starts in the next, what, hour or so with the time change out there. Like, you know, Gord, we're not going to go down, well, what if the Leafs win tonight? What if the Leafs lose tonight type of roads too deeply here? But I would imagine that if what happened in edmonton last night happens in toronto tonight the underdog road team controls the game shuts down the stars and wins we will feel a sense of panic uh
6: yeah a lot of fans will it'll be a it'll it'll be a, a tense 48 hours in a lot of ways i mean you know, that's why perspective is so key when you're a player, when you're a coach, when you're anybody that way, and Ziggy knows that, that, okay, if that were to be the case, you're only down 0-1. I think big difference you notice was, you know, Connor Hellebuck makes a difference. He's a huge difference maker in that game last night, and the Edmonton Oilers aren't as good as the Colorado Avalanche. Game one, Jordan Bennington couldn't play any better, and Colorado won it, and that's the thing. If you are a great team, then uh, the officiating, uh, the bad breaks, injuries, and exceptional goaltending are things you have to overcome and in Colorado's case they did it in game one made a statement in Edmonton Winnipeg's case you know Connor Hallibuck played like the Vezina Trophy goaltender and that was a different maker there you, you've got to be if you're going to be a great team which we believe the Leafs are you know you've got to be able to overcome uh you know maybe a goalie will steal one game but you've got to be able to overcome better goaltending at the other end as long as your goaltending is good enough
1: what kind of game plan do you think the Canadians come with? Uh, against this Leafs team I know we talk about how obviously if if you don't have a lineup to beat someone you get more physical and I've been in a room where you play against a Crosby or a Malkin um, and the way to beat them is you say you finish every check well that's all easy and simple but you have to generate offense at the same time what do you think the game plan is for Montreal uh, coming into the game tonight
6: you know, Ziggy, what, what was unusual is Dominic Descharmes, like four days ago, gave the game plan. Normally, media people are trying to find out the day of the game. I mean, he basically said, uh, not dressing Caulfield, not dressing Cottengamy, you know, going to, you know, got Weber back and Gallagher back. That's style you're talking about. Uh, they played effectively. They would uh, they would out hit. The least, what by a margin of three to one or so when they played. I thought he was going mm. to call up John Scott or something if John Scott <laughs> were still around. I don't know, but 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 the key is you can't hit what you can't catch, and that's the key. That's the key. So sure, mm-hmm. they'll go out and try to wear things down. I mean, you know, Florida's tried to do it against Tampa Bay, and you see after two games, Florida's played that card. Now they got uh, Tampa Bay's simply a talented team that can answer it physically. The Maple Leafs, that's one element they've shown uh, during the regular season that, uh, you know, physically you can't win the game that way. But obviously, by who he's dressing and that, that's going to be Montreal's strategy as the underdog. Slow them down, soften them up, hit them. Let's see where the goaltending goes. But the physicality is what they're going to try to stress.
3: Tonight starts a really important period of time in Jack Campbell's career, doesn't it? Like, if he if he's great in the playoffs... He goes into next season, I think unquestionably, as this team's number one, which sets him up to control his own fate gourd as he pursues a contract with term and more, more significant dollars than he's ever made. And I know it's a long way from tonight to next summer, the summer of 2022, but really tonight is the start of that road, and there will be a fork in that road at some point, and Leafs fans are hoping Jack ends up taking the right one
6: well we know the narrative and sir all you ever want is the opportunity you want the chance and he was the number one goaltender drafted his year never got it and he points at himself he just had some injuries he had some confidence issues so here he is all these years later he's just blossomed and you're right this is this is a great crack when people least expect it and afterwards he is signed next year 1.65 million which if he is the number one goaltender uh, that 's a huge cap saving for the lease, but then you know again, looking ahead like you 're saying, Scott, after July first, he could look at signing some kind of extension like Jordan Bennington did this year with the St. Louis Blues that would involve some term and significantly more dollars so you 're right this this is like like he's he 's the number one goaltender, Well, not number one he's the starting goaltender in the playoffs for a team that 's not won a playoff round in seventeen years and is expected to win two playoff rounds or gets eliminated in the first round, it's a disaster. So it's a unique kind of pressure that, that he's facing. But you're right, it's his chance to take it or run with it. Now, if they're down, hypothetically, 0-2, worst-case scenario, then it's Freddie's journey. What a tough journey for Freddie to come down that way. But let's leave it with Jack Campbell. He earned the opportunity. There's no gold. There's no goaltending controversy. Uh, he got it on merit uh, over Freddie and injuries and other things. And let's see, we're all cheering for him. Obviously, if you're a Leaf fan, you're really cheering for him. But uh, it's going to be... A, it, it's going to hopefully be a very positive storyline.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's his net right now, and I don't I don't think this is a situation Gord where it's okay. Campbell looks shaky in game one. Let's just throw Anderson in game two. Like this is a guy that hasn't played. He, he took two. Anderson was off for two months. Game in the minors, and then game with the Leafs. The second last game, and then all of a sudden you are going to expect a guy to stand in his head. Like I, I don't think it's that situation either, where you can just. Go bounce from one guy to the other. I think it's Campbell's net, and if he stumbles or they lose game one, and then he doesn't play well in game two, I I'm not so sure Freddie's going to be like the savior and come in and and save this team. Or is that crazy to think that you know Anderson can't be that guy?
6: Well, you're you're in trouble if you if you're looking whoever that guy is. You're in trouble as yeah. as, as the team. I think I think Ziggy, your your the one point I like is I don't like that expression a short leash. Why would you ever start somebody game one? And, and, mm-hmm. and they didn't say he's in a short leash, but even have that mindset. Who wants like, – yeah. don't start a guy. If you're in a short mm-hmm. leash, then get somebody, you know. And it's, it's Jack Campbell's right now, and uh, the games will hey, – hey, Washington all of a sudden needed a number three goaltender. Who knows? Like, things happen in a hurry about injuries and other things. But, yeah, it, it's his. It's a Toronto Maple Leaf team that is uh, set for the playoffs, the best in the last 17 years since they last won a playoff round. And, uh, and he's been a big part of it. And like I say, the challenge is they've never got to that next level with or without Jack Campbell, and this is a year that there are no excuses.
3: nazim Kadri can't help it, Kenny Gordon. Oh man! Because oh, people man. say, "Well, we can debate the hit." I don't think there's anything to debate. I think a, I think a suspension is warranted, and I think a suspension is coming. And and the league has not been shy to suspend him in the playoffs before. Don't Leafs fans know that all too well? Not not once, but twice. But I get it that the game happens fast, but it, it, it always strikes me that 98% of players don't struggle with the game coming at them just as quickly to make decisions smarter than the ones that Nazem Kadri far too often makes.
6: You love his edge. You love his competitiveness. But, you know, hey, if St. Louis scores a second goal on that five-minute power play, they scored one. Yep. But all of a sudden, you've got a tie game, and, and, and you could have a difference maker in a series that your team is owning. And, you know, particularly the second, like, I mean, the second suspension in Toronto, Nazem Kadri basically had the cooties as far as the team was gone. He, he had to make his own way for the disciplinary hearing to New York the Leafs went back and forth on a private plane themselves they were so pissed that he would do it a second time and that was you know the end of his stay there and i and i love so many elements about the guy but yeah last night and I, I you know Jared Bednar after as the coach like you know it's 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 like talking about your own son that you knew did something you know criminal that you watched and you got to try to hem and haw no question about that uh he's going to he's going to get something and he should but this Colorado Avalanche team uh, will be able to weather the storm without Nazem County for however long that is. But, yeah, that 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 was one targeting the head. Let's hope that Justin Falk isn't uh, isn't seriously hurt or not, but uh, uh, just uh, unfortunate to see and inexcusable.
3: Yeah, and the St. Louis Blues, it's 2 nothing Colorado in the series. The St. Louis Blues just aren't the team that won the Cup a couple years ago, right? I mean, they've... They've lost so many guys on the back end and all that. They're just, I mean, they, they wear the same uniform, but they're not the same team. So I think their reputation may precede them, but they were, they had to fight to get into the playoffs and and that's about what they are. Uh, Listen, we will uh, do this again at this time tomorrow morning. We'll react off of game one. Do you think we're going to be in a happy mood or do you think we're going to be in a sad mood?
6: (laughs) Well, I, I think we'll be in a happy mood. You're right. It's going to be a, it's to be a, a city that didn't sleep tonight, uh, one end, and the other thing will start tomorrow just like you know, like, a, 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 like, like we're visiting a funeral home or something. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be the, a, a city that I think will be, I think will be pumped. Uh, I, I really, you know, last year I didn't say that. I didn't feel that for the Columbus series because the regular season, uh, their play didn't dictate that. But I, I, I think they're going to kick ass. I think they're going to win in five.
3: Gord Stellick, the co-host with Nick Elberga of Leafs Nation Pre and Post here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Back to the Masai Ujiri conversation. Masai gets emotional. Next. blaring this you
1: blaring this in the locker room before the game tonight oh yeah in the game no in the in the room you mean top down windows down Just mullet <laughs> you gotta be I'm talking years uh, ears bleeding in your car this be pumped so loud you going white walls or sideburns
3: <laughs> Wonder if the i wonder if the mullet and white walls will ever make a legitimate return like where we're shaving to the top of our earline. I don't know why I'm getting into that. Uh, Masai Ujiri got emotional yesterday when he was told of the praise that people like Kyle Lowry, Freddie Van Vliet, and others had for him.
5: It's hard for me because um, th- these guys are incredible for me um, to hear them say that. Yeah, I, I I honestly sometimes don't know what to say. Our players, um, the coaches, the staff—they're incredible for me. I go to battle every day with those guys, every single day. I I love them like they're my family.
3: So you did you take that as as? He's leaving? Because I, I think I think he's thinking about those guys. He knows their families, Zig. Obviously, they've accomplished a lot together winning a championship, and I think it all caught up to him in that moment. I, I really think, yeah. for me, it's as simple as that.
1: There's could be some. I know he's an emotional guy, so if it's just that, fine. I, I get it. But I, I, I feel like there could be a little bit of... He loves the organization. He loves the people he's assembled together, who he's brought in. Um, you, you also have to remember the players that you have there. You bring a guy like Lowry in, you keep him there, which has been something that's been hard to do in Toronto. And their relationship has been complex at times through the years. He, absolutely. And we don't know what happens behind the scenes with management and player. Like, you don't know if things are they chat every day you don't know if things are an issue you, we obviously know the like you said i think that's a good wor- word is how complex the relationship has been but for Maasai, you have a guy like fred van vliet you have a guy like pascal siakam these are guys that you bring in you send them to develop in the g league and then all of a sudden they're into like the number ones like if if fred or siakam is your number one on an nba team It's it's an incredible feat for someone who found them, brought them in, developed them and then and then let them shine. You know, I don't want to I hate saying made them into stars because I think a player has to go and do that. But a guy like uh, a guy like Masai, he's you know, he deserves some credit for just the just just the nucleus of this team right now. Yeah, they're they're good enough to win and add pieces around it. And be competitive next year, and then you add in the championship from two years ago. You added the pandemic. You're in a bubble. You're down in Tampa. Like, there's so much. I understand how you can get emotional, but a little bit of it is, you know, I, I'm wondering if if he's if he's leaning towards doing something else, going somewhere. Like, that's my only thing when you hear Masai, you know, get emotional in that situation. Is are you are you thinking about? You know, what happens if you don't come back? You're you leave this family, right? And that's that's what I got it. And
3: whatever it is, he knows what it is that he wants from ownership. He needs to have those conversations with them if it's not already been made clear. And off of that, he'll make his decision. And if he doesn't get what he's after, uh, he won't be back. We will play the props for this series in game one tonight. He will jump in for the panel a little yay or nay prop style. We got a long list of them, and I'm going to keep the sheet so that we can revisit this at the end of the series, which hopefully will be early next week when the Leafs clean up with the Montreal Canadiens. Hughes update: We got a Jack Edwards warning, and then the panel coming up.
0: Here's Foligno trying to chip it in for Matthews. He scores! What a goal! He has tremendous hands, and a bouncing
7: puck from Felino is swatted into the goal for number
5: 34.
7: And that sound you heard was a kid in Laval throwing his PlayStation controller at the TV set. I didn't hear
3: any noise. Well... No. We're going to have to say, let's just get it out of the way. There's not going to be any fans in the stands tonight, and that's going to suck. Leafs and Habs the first time in 42 years, but look, that's how it's going to be.
4: By the way, Hugh, you've hit your Jack Edwards quota for the morning. (laughs) I just want to put that out there. Yeah, Yeah, Rick and Mimico was reminding me that uh, Jack Edwards' voice probably isn't the greatest thing to hear at 6.30 in the morning. Or 7. Or (laughs) Or 7.30 or or (laughs) 8. Or noon. More over the dinner hours. Probably the nicest guy on the planet. Bruins fans love him. Like he's, he's, uh, he brings something to the broadcast.
3: Notice, Siggy, too, that Hugh in his updates is taking pot shots at the Habs.
4: <laughs> no, I'm not. You
3: know why he's doing that? <laughs> he's doing that so that when they win a game eventually in this series, he can take it too far the other way.
4: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, this, is,
3: this is the defense mechanism.
4: What's the yeah. wh- What do they call that? Uh, under-promising and over-delivering. That's that's my philosophy. <laughs>
3: no, but this is the we it's obvious. Like if the Habs win tonight, the chest is gonna be series. puffed out yep. and you're gonna you're the whole negative thing around the Habs yeah. is all designed to you're putting your walls up
1: now. I'm not even concerned if they lose tonight. If, if the I'm Leafs really not. Lose Neither yeah, am I I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even concerned if the Leafs lose tonight. Yeah.
4: It changes the like dynamic it's, it's, of the it's, series it's, it's, a little
1: bit though. Like, it's it's going to have to be a bad game. It's going to have to be a Campbell bad game. It's going to have to be a Montreal perfectly designed <laughs> system. It's going to have to be price standing on his head. They're going to need timely goals and special teams have to go perfect. Like, that's what's going to have to happen today. Or it's just going to be a tight game where Leafs can't buy a goal and Montreal just backs in it and, and, and it makes it a boring game. That's Those are like the two, I guess, Bad scenarios if you're the least if you're a Leafs fan right now. Yeah. But I'm I'm not even if they they win they they get the first game and then right. I, it does change. If it, you're though.
3: if you're the Oilers are you nervous? I mean you That's lost a, a two bit, to a one game different. two to one game last night. It was four
1: to one with the two empty netters in the end. Like, like I have I have like I have the Jets winning that series. So I I I think it's a coin flip, but. And I know it's easier to sit here today and say, well, I have the Jets win the series after they win the first one, but um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a more complete lineup and you've got one of the best three in the league in Hellebuck and net. And if you have that, there's nobody in the league. You can't beat in a series. When you have a guy like Hellebuck doing what he did last night, you get the best, you get the highest score in the national hockey league. It doesn't matter, and your goaltender's playing like that, and he's on. Like, I don't know what sport that you can have where a goaltend where a, a, a player has that much effect over a game. Like the quarterback, sure, but I've seen lots of, you know, NFL games go away where the quarterback is just average. No, te- no player can affect a game more than a goaltender can, unless you're Ross Stripling. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks for coming up. Thank Pictures. For
3: <laughs> bong, yeah. Bong, yeah. bong 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 <laughs> Bong. Lots of hard hit balls. But speaking of Rod Stripling, well uh, Kevin Barker will be along for the full half hour at seven thirty and we'll talk blue jays and the daily no hitters in, in major league baseball. We'll open up the phone lines uh, for you and uh, take your texts as well. Bark at Barker uh coming up at seven thirty. All right. Are you ready for the uh props? The yays or the nays for this series? Yay. First of all, let's make a prediction in line with the Twitter troll poll, which is up. At Scotty Mac thinks of Mike Zigamanis at Hugh W. Burl. The four options are, do the Leafs win this series in four or five, in six or seven, or is it the Habs in four or five, or six and seven? Where uh, are you going,
4: Hugh? Um... People are gonna think I'm crazy, but I don't care. Habs in seven. Uh, I, I yeah, think you're crazy. They're not. People. The amount of disrespect for this team from Montreal has been jaw dropping. Um, it's not disrespect. They, they 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 were missing Carey Price, Shea Weber, Brendan Gallagher. They're they're three best players, and everyone's sweeping them under the rug. This is going to. They may not win in, in seven. I, I think. I think. I'm hoping and thinking that they will. Um, but if they, even if they don't, this, this is not a short series. It's not a short series. It's not, it's not. Carey price is a difference maker. And how about him smashing the stick yesterday? I Ooh. love that. I love Ooh. that for a guy who doesn't usually show a lot of emotion. Bring it on, baby.
1: Habs in seven. I've got Leafs in four or five. Um, yeah. if it's six or seven games and Leafs win, n- okay, great, you win the series, but if the Habs make this a tough and long one, it's going to send a message to Edmonton or Winnipeg that I, we couldn't handle the Canadians in a hurry, like we had trouble with them. That's the first part that won't be good, and the second part is they're already starting the series late, and now all of a sudden your first series drags on. I'm worried about what that does taxing, you know, the physical and mental side of it where when you were when you're in a tough series we've seen it every single year of the playoffs a team beats up a t- a team that should have won easily and then all of a sudden they go on to the second series or wh- whoever they have next and they fall down because they're so tired and I think fatigue can set in I'm I, I'd be concerned if I was if, if in Leafs nation if they go six or seven games but I think this series is going to be tougher. Than most people think, but I hope they handle it in four or five.
3: I do think the Leafs are going to win in five and i'll i 'll say this right now this is This is less to your point about the disrespect of the Habs Hugh. I am done. I am done with the Leafs crap in the bed in the playoffs, and somebody might say, "Well, have they really crapped the bed? They were the underdogs in those Boston series. They were the underdog in the Washington series. What was it now? three or four years ago. Yeah. Columbus, I think they were the favorite. So maybe that's the only time they've crapped the bet. It is time though. These guys, they're core. They're not kids anymore. they're, They're not kids. They're not even by NHL standards. They're not kids. It is time to take that step. Yes, it took the Washington Capitals a long time to get to the Holy Grail, but it wasn't as if they were going out in the first round each and every year. They were losing to Pittsburgh sometimes in the second round. It is time to win a playoff series on paper and in real life. All right. Tonight. So this is a game one prop. Yay or nay. The Leafs will score in the first
1: five minutes. (laughs) Yay or nay. Ziggy. I'm going to say yay. I think they're going to come out guns blazing. They're going to be running around everywhere. Um, I'm hoping it's one of the big four just to get them going. I want them to get their touches. I want them to get their cookies, their points early. And uh, I, I think it will mean a lot in getting that. Remember, I always say about the Leafs, if you can get out of the first round, I think they can go on a run. When you look at what they've done, a lot of times they just haven't been able to get by at Boston, right? That's been their, uh, you know, that's been the kryptonite, right? But for this Leafs team, you get guys getting points early, get them feeling good about themselves. So hopefully it's one of the big four that gets them going early.
4: Uh, despite everything I just said about Kerry Price, and how I love the emotion and everything, uh, I also will say yay to yay! this with an amendment. If I may tack on a rider to the bill, Mr. Speaker, uh, both teams are going to score on the first five minutes. Mm. Yeah. I think Jack Campbell... That wasn't. Hold on, that wasn't on the list. <laughs> it was an okay, amendment. Next, like, it's a that wasn't on. on the list, but it is. It,
3: it's an even bigger <laughs> yeah. step to take out onto that ledge. Z- Ziggy's banging the gavel.
4: He's overruling yeah. the amendment. Uh, I think Jack Campbell wakes up and and realizes, oh my goodness, I'm a starting goalie in the NHL play, Stanley Cup playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens. Just just some jitters, just some some early jitters by both goalies.
3: I, I'm going to say yay as well. In fact, I'm going it'll be two nothing Leafs halfway through the first period. So there you go.
4: Only two, huh? Like, why not seven or eight nothing by the end of the first? No,
3: I said halfway through the first. (laughs) We can get to the back half of the first period later if you want. (laughs) Yay or nay, Carey Price will have a 40-plus save victory in a game
4: at some point in this series. Hugh, we'll start with you. Yay. Uh, he has to uh, for for much because you know the Leafs are going to get their chances. They're they're such an offensive juggernaut. Carey Price is going to have to stand on his head in this series, and that just just by extension of that, yeah, he's probably gonna he's probably gonna have a couple of games where he's gonna have to stop more than forty shots.
1: Yeah, I'm yay as well. Forty. I mean, I, I'm gonna go. I say there's yay! gonna be a. Yeah. I say there's gonna be a fifty stop night. How about that? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. How About I that like one. It. I like it.
3: I'm going to say nay. (laughs) Nay. Sorry, I forgot
1: that was coming. Yeah, I forgot (laughs) that we had that. (laughs) That'll (laughs) shut just (laughs) about anybody. I
3: I think I thought of it like five minutes ago, and then it totally skipped my mind. Oh, caught me off guard. Um, I'm going to say nay because I do think the Leafs will pump 40-plus shots past Carey Price, but they'll win those games. When it happens. He won't make the 40 saves? Well, or he will, but he'll lose. As I said, a 40-plus save victory Oh, okay. at some point in the series. I'll listen to the details of the question. Nah. All right. Yeah, nay. The Leafs will score three-and-a-half power play goals. So this is more of an over-under. The Leafs will score three-and-a-half power play goals in this series. Will they score more than that or less than that, Ziggy?
1: I'm going to say they're going to go over that. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, the the power play will come alive now. I, I think it's going to be there's going to be a little bit more excitement. A lot of times when that happens, you start shooting the puck and not trying to make that extra pass, especially in the playoffs. So they're at this point. They know what they've done wrong towards the end of the year. They're gonna iron it all out. They had a week to kind of settle down, go through different plays. They know what the penalty kill is gonna be doing. I'm sure they're gonna have a couple tricks up their sleeves. Sandines at the point, just they're gonna keep it simple. And Sandines a shooter. That's kind of what I'm looking for, and why I think they're gonna score, you know, four or more.
4: You, uh, nay, uh, I'm a firm believer. <laughs> in... Nay, thank you, Helena. I'm a firm believer in the. Um... The principle of inertia that a uh, an object will continue to do what it's been doing, and there's there's no evidence that the Leafs have turned their power play around and practice all they want, but they 're practicing against each other. no taking the under less than three and a half
3: pounds I'm power with players. you uh i i I think the Leafs win this series relatively quickly, but I think in part because with fewer games played, come fewer power play opportunities. Uh, They will not reach uh, four goals with the man advantage. So I'm a nay on that as well. All right, here's a Freddie Anderson question. So in factoring in the over under on the number of minutes he plays in this series, consider that sometimes the goalie gets pulled for the extra attacker or whatever. I think the question here is, is Frederick Anderson going to play a game? But, but, But here is the technical question. Freddie Anderson will play... 56 and a half minutes in this series. Will he play more or less over under 56 and a half minutes? Zig.
1: I say he plays under. I don't think he comes into the series. And I'm saying that because if Freddie Anderson comes in, I think something's wrong. I tried to put a scenario together the past week on how Anderson comes and plays either the start or the second half of the back to back. And there is no kind of way to do it where you can kind of get him a game and then you go to Campbell and said, hey, we're going to arrest you here. Get ready for the next one. If they're up 3 nothing, you're not going to play Anderson. I wouldn't. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to play him at the start of the back-to-back? So what? Something's wrong with Campbell and then Freddie wins it? Then you got to run with them. I just I can't see a scenario where he plays unless something wrong happens. So I'm hoping nothing wrong happens in this series. I hope Campbell comes out and we see the same performance out of him that we did during the regular season. And I'm not saying Freddie's not going to have a chance to come in. You don't know when the second series starts, if Campbell stumbles the first game or two, then Freddie comes in. But for this first one, I said, I want it over in four or five and Campbell has to run with it.
3: A text coming in, Jeff at Woodbine racetrack. Remember this will be the Habs only win of the series tonight. So that's Jeff at Woodbine racetrack. A two eight nine number uh, text in and says Hugh is drunk as f.
4: Well, so there you go. What I wouldn't I wouldn't say drunk
6: the guy is drunk like, i'd
4: say buzz buzz i mean it's yeah. it's only 720 so <laughs> yeah. I, i'm i'm just tipsy right i mean i don't usually you know get after but we after found where o'clock. you stash <laughs> the baileys yeah don't really, don't really. <laughs> all right freddie anderson
3: hugh 56 and a half minutes over under
4: uh i originally said nay to this but just to fade ziggy i'm gonna say yay freddie anderson will play a couple of games in this series oh my god yep
3: I, I am neighing this one hard. <laughs> this is a Jack Campbell special, this entire series. Total fights in the series, over, under, one and a half. I am just going to say, under, I don't think there will be a fight in this series.
4: Well, Hugh? Montreal plays very physically. Um so, you, well, I mean, what are we calling a fight? Are we just like like gloves dropped and guys throwing haymakers? Five-minute majors. Five-minute five minute major, major penalties. You're gonna see, I think you're going to see over that. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. Just because of the physicality of this series.
1: Yeah, I, I well, you I have to think Simmons is going to get one in. He's going to find somewhere. And is there going to be one more? Probably. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yay, there will be two or more fights.
3: And last one from me. Total games that go to overtime in this series: one and a half,
4: over <laughs> or under. Q. Over. I think we're going to see we're going to see a couple of overtime games in this series because I think it's going to be closer than people expect. And, and Carey Price is going to hold. Mon- if he's healthy and if he can play, the, there's a lot of ifs, ifs here. I yeah. know, I don't understand that, yeah. but if Kerry Price is Kerry Price, and if
3: the calendar flips sure. to 2017, absolutely,
4: absolutely, or or just to last year in the bubble against Pittsburgh, um, if he can be close to what he was last year, just just by extension, he himself will force a couple of overtime games.
1: Yeah, I I could see one happening, so I'm going to say nay. I don't see two or more games going to OT Uh, the games might be tight but like I said Montreal is going to be a lot from the handle but I'm going to go I'll go one game will go of the four or five games one will go to OT
3: and I'm with Ziggy on that one I will nay that one and say under (laughs) one and a half games
1: I got a couple for you guys I don't know where these stand but uh, I'll make them quick Austin Matthews scores five goals oh yay God. or nay Hugh? what do you got matthews at five so goals. do you want to
3: set the over under at four and a half or five and a half yeah just we'll just so that we've half. got an obvious four winner. and a half
4: so austin okay. matthews five goals in four games in this series huh wow uh, uh yeah yeah I, I can see that actually i'm gonna take the over. yay yeah. in seven games he'll have Ooh. six goals <laughs>
3: <laughs> mm. I'm t- Yeah,
1: I, I'll, I'll. What do you got, Scott? I,
3: I'm. You know what? I love Austin. I, I four goals in a series is still a lot. Yep. So I, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the under on this one okay. and hope that I'm wrong.
1: All right. Well, I've got. I've got the A. I think he's gonna have five or more. Um. I think he's gonna continue what he did last year or this this season and what he's done in the playoffs last couple years. Um outside of the bubble, what do you have? Five five or six and and seven the year before that. So I think he's gonna go on a tear. Um by the and, way, I just want to put my hand up and say I'm more than happy to be wrong about my take on this one. All right. Next one. Um Marner, I have him at seven points, so six point five points. So Austin is,
3: you guys have Austin scoring ten goals in this series. Who's <laughs> going to get the primary assist on most of them? You guys so both Mar- better
1: yay this one or go yeah. over? So so Marner, I have Marner at seven points. I think would be would be. I think I feel like that's a sweet spot for me. Is seven points, yeah. so six and a half. Yeah. You, what I, are you? I, I, where I, are you
4: at? I'm taking the over. Zig. I, he okay. he's in on almost everything they do. Absolutely sure.
1: I'll take the over on that one as well. Yeah, I got I got the over. I just I think eight I think going to eight like I put 8 and 9. I, I was asking buddies last night going over those two big stats and what everyone's going to be looking at and the Marner and Matthews combo. I mean, all eyes are going to be on them, right? So, I have another one like Campbell starting four, but we already kind of hit that one with the Anderson if he plays a game or not, but I thought that was a uh, you know, discussing with a couple couple buddies does does this Campbell start for what, what do you put It starts at four games three and a half obviously what we'd have to do but we already did that with the Amps. all right
3: Ziggy so you wrote down the answers to the the two yeah you I got out them. there I've copied yep. down everything and I I'll not be stupid and I won't throw this thing out Alex and Kaladin has a really good idea did you write down all the answers because the loser needs to drink Ziggy's celery juice
1: Well, would you rather the celery celery juice or the kefir? Oh, no, no, no. no. (laughs) Unflavored kefir. I'll take the
3: celery (laughs) juice. Oh my God. Yeah. uh, Like, yeah, you you could wring out a sweaty sock in my mouth and it would taste better than that unflavored sheep kefir. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) tweeted us the other day and said, Hey, I'm on the kefir wagon and sent a photo of the kefir that they bought. It had the cow label on it. So yeah. it was a cow kefir, not a sheep kefir. And it was flavored. It was like mango coconut or something like, dude, you got to go with the sheep and the unflavored. You can't be dancing around with the flavored stuff in the cow. It tastes better.
4: That's what Ziggy says. I gross. take Just, his word for it. It's all gross. I'd rather eat a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the 289 number. Hugh
3: is drunk as F. Little baseball talk. Is it time for Alec Manoa to join the Toronto Blue Jays? Stopgap Ross Stripling sprung a big-ass leak last night, and the fan base is ready for someone else to take that rotation spot. Kevin Barker next.
6: Beat off off with Ziggy and Scotty Mack on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.
3: Barker's all over uh, the journey these
1: days. All over Journey. Not bad. Seen Journey a couple times. solid, solid. Don't stop believing. Performances? Belating. Oh, yeah.
3: By the way, before we get to Kevin Barker, Dan in Etobicoke, do you know a Dan in Etobicoke? And is he your agent? Why, are you going to put Ziggy me on the spot and right oh. Ziggy and Sheldon need to team up and create a new product
1: called Sheldon Kiefer. Yeah, so this is what we get on that's the text actually, line, man. It's pretty good. It's actually not bad. I'm going to check out what the market is for Kiefer. <laughs> it's first, pre- it's pretty good. Every time I go to get it, it seems like I leave it in the exact same spot yeah. on the shelf when I go back a that's month amazing. later. You're the only one
3: <laughs> who's buying that crap. There you go. There you go. All right. Here he is for the next half hour. Bark at Barker on the text line to five ninety five ninety. Dial it up, 416-870-0590. Kevin Barker is the co-host of Baseball Central with Jeff Blair, 2 to 3. Each and every weekday here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and he's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Mr. Barker, like we can't have you on and not ask you for a Leafs-Habs prediction really quickly. Put on the hockey hat for 10 seconds.
7: Le- Leafs win 3-2. How's that?
3: Leafs win 3-2 tonight. How many games? Do they win the series? They do, yes. Okay.
7: It's not even close. Not even
3: good. There you go. Link, I love this. <laughs> Turn to the baseball guy <laughs> for the hockey prediction. There it is. Okay, so five days from now. Yeah. Jin Ryu will have pitched the night before for the Blue Jays. Uh-huh. Who's pitching the night after. Who is the starting pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays the next time Ross Stripling's spot in the rotation comes up?
7: An opener and then Trent Thornton of that. I like that. I like that. Everybody's probably yelling and saying Alec Manoa. Look, have you seen Alec Manoa pitch live? I haven't. I've seen a little bit on Zoom and, and a little bit on the computer last night. I was trying to watch in and out. I couldn't really tell location, what the pitches looked like, how hard he was throwing. Yeah, I know he's a giant human. The presence around the mound. It looks like he doesn't wear an undershirt, which is kind of cool. Uh, but can he command? Can he command a fastball to both sides of the plate? Can he use a breaking ball to steal strike one? Can he get back an account with a breaking ball? Can he put you away with a breaking ball? Do you have any of those answers? If you do, and you think the answer is yes, call him up and let him pitch against the race. If the answer, did you think any of those questions are no? I would not call him up. It's what's he got? 30, 35 innings at the minor league level. Does that really matter? Matter for a college guy? Probably not. You know, it's more about routines and figuring out whether he can figure out a way to to be successful every five days. Remember, he was pitching every Friday at the the college level. That's not pitching every fifth day. He's trying to find routines and, and trying to stay healthy and make sure all the pitches that he throws is sharp and he can throw strike one and be mechanically sound I look I want to see Alec Manoa too I don't want to see Ross Stripling anymore Ross Stripling's ran its course what do you do with Ross Stripling that's the big question too the first 25 pitches for him batters are hitting almost 400 with an OPS over a thousand putting him in the bullpen is that work with just that stat right there the first 25 pitches not any good I don't know what you do with Ross Stripling does it even matter what you do with Ross Stripling but I will say I don't want to see him start again. What the answer to that is, I really don't know. Trent Thornton's been okay, right? He's he's made an adjustment with the sinker and the slider, not throwing that. He can command a cutter, a four-seamer, and a curveball better than the slider and the sinker. Give him a chance. Do I want him facing the top three guys? Probably not. You know, he's he's basically a nine- or ten-batter guy. You want to maximize that as much as you can. You don't want another bullpen arm coming in in the third inning. You would rather a bullpen arm coming in in the fifth inning. That's why you have an opener in front of Trent Thornton. I would probably go that way. But there probably is a reason why they backed up Alec Manoa. He was supposed to start two nights ago, right? Yes, Yes, he He was. He started last night because that will line up for Ross Stripling's Mm -hmm. next start. Now, that would make you wonder if he's going to be the guy that's making the next start. Again, you have to ask yourself, too, what if Alec Manoa comes up and has a bad start? What do you do then? Do you leave him? Do you send him down? Uh, is he here for good? Those those are questions that you have to answer. And if he does come up here and have a bad start, how will we handle that mentally? Look, it sounds like every time you hear him talk and he tweets and he doesn't bother him. Has he ever failed at the big league level? Nope. That's a different animal. I have I understand how that goes, how that feels. I understand how it feels to get sent down. It's not an easy thing, especially for a guy that thinks he's better than everybody else. So that'll that'll be something they have to factor in too, but we we've seen enough of Ross Stripling. Now it's time to move on and and figure out who else is going to make his next start. Yeah, I, I don't think it
1: was any coincidence that he that Manoa did pitch at the Triple A level yesterday and would line up for uh, the next start in Stripling's spot in the rotation. But you, I'm not sure. We should probably line up who got sent down to the minors more. I probably have you, and I would prefer to have the pro experience, the big league experience and then go down to the minors and and tweak whatever I need to tweak, learn from my time up there, whether it's a game or 20 games, and then you kind of can see what you need to do. The thing about it is it depends what the coaching staff and management's philosophy is with prospects and what we've seen what happened with Pearson. I don't know if <laughs> we're going to have a better look there. Obviously, we know he's had a lot of injuries this year and um, what he went through last year. But with Manoa's case, I feel like he's got a little bit more – confidence in a sense where we've seen what he said in pressers when he we ask him what he thinks about where he's at what this jay's team should be the projection on the season i don't mind bringing a guy up like that that you know know this as well a guy that can go into the clubhouse and handle himself as a prospect because that matters as much as what he does when the game starts right and and how they handle the whole experience.
7: Yeah. I think they have the clubhouse taken care of with Bo and Vladdy and, and Teoscar and, and George Springer not playing. What you know? George Springer's got to do something. Take care of the clubhouse. That, that's the, you have that taken care of for me. Alec Manoa comes up. He's coming up because he pitches better than the guy that was pitching before him. That's the only reason he comes up. It's a performance driven league. It, it, it has nothing else to do with it. And if you're not performing, now you have to figure out ways to get guys in there who can perform. I, again, I have no idea whether Alec Manoa can control his fastball and throw a secondary pitch when he wants to I, nobody else does either because nobody else has seen him pitch live that that consistently he can come up here against the Tampa Bay Rays Tampa Bay Rays have one approach to play to try and hit as many home runs as they possibly can and let the best part of their game take over which is their pitching their pitching's been really good the last 15 or, or 20 games offensively they've been decent the last four or five games but it's that approach. Can he not throw a ball down the middle? That's the one thing he'll have to do at the big league level. Because most of the time, you know, unless you're Bergen, Travis Bergen, and can get away for whatever reason of throwing a fastball down the middle, most people can't do that. He has to command both sides of the plate and sprinkle in a breaking ball. Can he do that? That's the big question. And, again, I have no idea, mentally, can he handle being sent down? I was released four times as a baseball player. Two of those last day of spring training, I don't like it. I, I I got released and, and did that later in my career. I hated it. It was very hard on me mentally. For a young guy like this who's trying to establish himself and want to be an everyday starter at the big league level, comes up and has a bad start and gets sent down, he's not going to handle that well. It will take some adjustment time to get over that. That's something they have to factor in. Is he ready to do all of these things? If the answer is yes, call him up. Give him the ball. Let's see what happens. You. What do you believe –
3: about innings limits innings limits is kind of the old phrase kevin but Mm the 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 fact that manoa didn't really pitch last year he was doing some alternate site stuff because there was no minor league season the fact that he entered pro ball in the summer of 2019 off of being a june of 2019 first round draft pick like there just aren't a lot of innings there and you've referred on more than one occasion to the routine developing the five-day routine at the At the minor league level, which you then carry with you to the big league level. But what do you believe about a guy's arm, right? I've used the Juan Guzman comparison, but all I had to do was look up Juan Guzman and say, geez, this guy pitched like 600 innings in pro ball before he debuted with the Blue Jays at the age of 24, which is almost what Manoa is, because Guzman been doing it since he was 18. Manoa hasn't had that opportunity, hasn't had that run.
7: Yeah, I look, I, I think your job is to be a pitcher. Whenever you get, you're supposed to get the ball every five days. You pitch till the end of the season. The only way you get better at something is to do it. I, I the the having, I, I heard it was 130 some innings this year. I don't know. I'm sure they have HP people telling them exactly what they should and shouldn't do, and and all of the the little things that goes into being a, a, a an established kind of of pitcher every five days, and and. Look, I I, I think he's a big, giant human who looks healthy and strong. And if the velocity is there consistently every time he totes the heel, why put a limitation on it? That's just my feeling.
3: With Kevin Barker on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. So we can't prove negatives, but do you believe that the base running mistake in the bottom of the first inning last night snuffed out – the Blue Jays' opportunity to truly get back in that game, because if you presume that Vladdy is going to have the same result, which is the line drive double off the wall in center field that scored Bo Bichette, well, it would have scored Semyon and Bichette if Semyon hadn't rounded third base too far on the Bichette double, would have been five to two instead of five to one. Do you believe that that base running running mistake went a long way into snuffing out any opportunity the Jays had to come back last night?
7: No, well, it didn't help. Look, Marcus Simeon is trying to help out his buddy Bo Bichette and, and, and score and give him an RBI. That's what you do as a buddy. That's what you do as a, as a good teammate. But he didn't run with the setup. He's a human being. Occasionally, you're going to make a mistake. I'll, I'll take Marcus Simeon, what he's doing, hunting the heater every single time. That little simple approach he has, that little sh- short, compact swing. Looks for one pitch. Go up and look fastball. Get it. Hammer it. That That's a very simple approach. He, he's a very smart player. He, he's a very good defender. We saw that, that little pl- play he made on the shortstop side of, of of the second base bag, he's got a strong arm. Uh, he he doesn't hurt your team. Occasionally, you're going to run into an out. I, I have no issues with that. Did it did it, uh, you know, hurt the outcome of the game? It didn't help it, right? Five to two well, sounds better than five to yeah, one. Yeah, but what uh, I'm saying, Kev,
3: like if it's if it's in that situation, you got Vladdy coming up with nobody out, and worst case scenario, if you're not thrown out, it's second and third. Like the percentage of you scoring from third base with nobody out. And Vlady, Teoscar and Grichuk coming up is really high, right? Like, yeah, it, you're, uh, you're, unless you can score standing up on, in that play, I have no
7: idea why you'd even why you'd even round third base hard. Okay, it's a stupid play, but after the second inning, it would have been six to two. Garrett Rich's last four start coming into that game had an ERA of a little over two, had 26 strikeouts and five walks and 25 innings. He's pretty good, right? He's been locked in on something, whatever that is. That little short, simple windup that he has has allowed him to throw strikes. Uh, What spin that he has on all his pitches, it's very hard on right-handed hitters. The right, they have a bunch of good right-handed hitters in that lineup. Six to two is a, a lot to ask them to come back to from. Yeah, he made a mistake. It's one of those things where if he only makes one mistake all year – you can't really argue that. He's been very solid for this team, filling in as the leadoff hitter, playing defense at second, being a little mentor to to Bo Bichette at shortstop. He hammers velocity. That's all I've been screaming, and that's what most people scream, that that's all you have to t- try and do as a big leaguer in 2021 is go up and look for velocity. Marcus Simeon does that. He made a mistake. Let's move on and and live to fight another day kind of thing.
1: How much is, of that is third base coaching? I know Rivera's... It, it's not. I, I watched the... Yeah, but it's kind of a late... But there's no responsibility on the third base coach to kind of give no. the no. sign hey. to the
7: runner in time? You know as well as anybody, stop blaming coaches people yeah. should know how to run the big leagues run the bases at the big league level you need you only need your coach in certain times of of the game and certain plays when the play is behind you. The play was really in front of him when he hit the double. He knew sort of what he was trying to do, except that he was looking down at the base and just didn't look up in enough time to see Louis Rivera with his hands up. Yeah, again, it gets back to that knowing the situation of the game, knowing where you're at. Scotty Mack said it exactly right. He made a mistake. It, every He's a human being. Everybody makes mistakes. Again, would you rather it be 5-2 to two than 5-1? to one? Sure you would. But after that, Ross Stripling did give up another run, so it would have been 6-2. to two. Garrett Richards has been pretty good. He's got a lot of confidence. He's throwing strikes. He's commanding three different pitches to a bunch of right-handed hitters. It would have been a tall order. It might have been a little easier but it still would have, is a, would have been a very tall order.
3: Kevin Barker with us on leadoff Sportsnet 590. The fan, you can bark at Barker on the text line at five ninety five ninety. Winston and Waterloo, I'm seeing that the uh, Twins starting pitcher Jose Barrios, uh, his name is coming up on the trade market. I think he'd be a great fit for the Jays. What kind of package would you need to give up to get him? And how much would you give up considering he's under control for a few more years? Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Barker. Barker. Okay, look,
7: look, look, before you go on, Barrios, the only uh, trade that I'm going to make and, and trade a, a true prospect, because that's what you're going to have to do. You pick a prospect. I don't know which one they want to pick, but you pick one, and and you give up one of the outfielders. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Rowdy Tellez, maybe I said Marcus Simeon yesterday. If you're, if you're not going to re-sign Marcus Simeon right now, the way he's breaking, he might get you a, a little bit higher end starting pitcher add it on to one of the prospects again i don't know which prospect they don't like and which one they think they get the most from that that will be the ultimate thing there barrios you have to ask yourself who do you want starting game one of a playoff spot i think the blue jays are, are, are better they're looking lineup wise if you get some halfway decent starting pitching with the bullpen that they have and the adjustments they've made defensively with the lineup they have and oh by the way they're getting george springer back hopefully soon the lineup's going to get that much better you add a a legitimate starting pitcher who can pitch game one of a playoff. If that you think that's Barrios, then you do exactly what I say. You give up one of your big leaguers and you go pick the prospect that you think you can get Barrios for, and you go ask if you can have him.
3: Luis Castillo falls into the category for me as well of the Cincinnati Reds. Now, he's had a rough yeah. start, but he has looked better – of late and he is also a guy who's under control for another two and a half seasons. Like I swing and miss stuff. That's yeah. that's
7: what you're looking for, right? You know? Yeah. The reuse factor when you're facing super good teams, super good teams are in the playoffs normally because they make adjustments quicker than bad teams. And were you Because he's not a swing and miss guy in October, that will allow teams to be a little bit more, have a better chance of scoring runs off him. So you're going out trying to find guys that have swing and miss stuff. If Barrios is it, if Castillo is it, Castillo's had issues with the changeup, arm speed on the changeup and and throwing strikes with it, right? If you can eliminate that pitch, 95-96 doesn't scare most hitters anymore. So the, the, these are these are big questions. I, I mentioned the Max Scherzer thing. I know he has a he's a ten and five guy. He would have a, a say so in where he goes. But I'm assuming you know July 30th rolls around, and you can make up a package. Maybe the Nationals are out of it. You can go and say, I'll give you this guy, this guy, and this guy. What do you think? And maybe you can get that guy, and he could pitch Game One.
3: Kevin Barker is with us on Leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. What does Barker think of Tony LaRussa? And the yearman Mercedes situation in Chicago, that's come in on the text lines. And you can time no-hitters to bowel movements now. They're happening daily, baby, if you're lucky. (laughs) We'll get into that in just a moment. Kevin Barker is with us till the top of the hour on leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, let's get to it, Kevin. Back to business here. Okay, Uh, 647 number, Jason in Toronto. Did Kevin have any issues with the yearman Mercedes home run? And how would he have handled Tony LaRusso? So let's just reset it a couple of nights ago. Three balls, no strikes, blowout win for the Chicago White Sox against the Minnesota Twins, who apparently are so bad this year they've decided that Williams Astudio is a regular member mm-hmm. of their bullpen. This is a position player who has <laughs> been pitching a lot. Um, that's how bad it's gone for Rocco Badelli and the Twins. But Mercedes swings 3-0 and and jacks one off of Astudio. And Tony LaRussa, the great arbiter of our time, yeah. didn't stand up for his player. <clears throat> no.
7: I have no issues with that. You, you, the when you put a position player on the mound, all gloves, are, all bets are off. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's so hard now to get a hit. We're seeing that six no hitters. It's so hard to get a hit. You can bring a guy in and throwing BP or a 45 mile an hour fastball wherever it is. I don't care what the count is. You try and hit that ball as hard as you possibly can hit it. All home runs count at the big league level, no matter who who you hit it off of. Now the manager thing, I'd have a real issue with my manager. No matter where I was, my my clout was on the team. When he comes out and tells the other team it's okay to hit my player, I'd have a, I'd have a true issue with that. I would raise my hand go into the manager's office, close the door, and say, I'm right in front of you now. If you have a giant issue with the way I play baseball and you say it's okay for the other team to basically hit me, then me and you are going to have an issue. That, that, That part of it I just don't understand. When you go outside of your clubhouse to take care of things that should be left inside the clubhouse. That I just don't understand. I thought I thought Tony La Russa is old school. Old school guys don't do. that. They don't throw their teammates. They don't throw their players under the bus. I, I get it. He gave the take sign, and he thinks that's a no-no. And it's fifteen to four, and you know sixteen to four looks awful. If you hit a home run off a position player, okay, that, that's okay. But you could come out and say I had an issue with that. I gave him the take sign. He ignored it. It's been taken care of. We're moving on. That would be easy, right?
1: Do you think La Russa loses the room at all now? I think he's already lost
7: it. I mean, you yeah. you look you look, you, uh, you read Twitter. The shortstop, one of the pitchers, they they don't seem to like it. Keep doing what you're doing. It's 2021. Look, if 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 they want to throw a position player at us, we're feeling frisky. We're a pretty good team. The AL Central stinks. We can run away with this thing. We're getting. We got our mojo. Forget about what the manager's saying. You continue to do what you're doing. So it sounds like he's lost it already.
3: It's one thing to lose the room, though, Kevin. It's another thing that the, for the team to start having the results that reflect that you've lost the room. I mean, to your point, uh, Minnesota has been a stunningly grotesque surprise. They're, they're awful, yeah. and they weren't supposed to be. Cleveland no. has the pitching, especially the starting pitching, to keep them close, but they're not in the White Sox league. Like, Chicago should win this division. Do, do you think there are any repercussions to Larusa having lost the room? Like, do you think the White Sox could fall away here somehow, like somewhere? Like how? Well, that they don't, that they they lose more than they win and they don't win the division, a division they should clearly run away with.
7: Yeah, the manager for me has got one job to do. That, that's to control the bullpen when you don't bring a guy in and when you bring a guy in. I, yeah, if you have really good players, you have really good pitching, you have really good defense, you have a lot of hitters who can match baseballs line to line. How how does that yeah how does that come yeah. into play? Of you've lost a, the the man you've lost the room and and it's, like it's again, a
3: totally different sport, Kevin. The, the Maple Leafs stopped playing for <clears throat> Mike Babcock, but hockey's a flow game. They stopped. They stopped
1: playing for him. You even got, I, had guys on Twitter saying the game wasn't over. Keep doing you, Big Daddy. Right, like, like, but, that was but, bad.
3: But in a one-on-one sport like baseball, if you are just better and have more talent than the other team, you should come out on top even if your
7: manager in the dugout is outdated. Yeah, let, let's let's be honest. The AL Central is the worst division in baseball. Right. The, 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 White, the White Sox can have a hiccup and still win that division by 15 games. Let's be honest it's that it's tony Larusa for me is going to earn his money in october May, going to the right guy at the right time when, when when you he gets the ball from the starting pitcher who is he giving the ball to that's when he's going to earn his money right now because you play in the worst division in baseball stay out of the way like i and if you do have an issue handle it within house <clears throat> don't be going out and basically saying it's okay to hit my player i That part of it, I just don't understand. If I was the player, I'd have an issue with that, a big issue with that.
3: Do no hitters, I can't believe I'm asking this, and I don't believe it's the case. Then don't ask it. No, no, no. Do no hitters run the risk of losing their luster?
7: Not to the guy throwing it. That's true. Yeah, like like the, the like it's a big deal now. You know, you're thinking about so much about spinning the baseball and the shifts and it, it, pitching. Now is easier. You you have more information. You have the shift, which is a huge deal. If I can throw to the shift and I can throw a ball that I can miss barrels with cutter, curveball. That's what you're seeing a lot of. You're not seeing a whole lot of four seamers. You, when you do see a four seamer, it's elevated. You're seeing pitching backwards. There is no fastball counts, and you add the shift to it. Look, th- this is a. Uh, to say that pitching is well above the hitting now <clears throat> is an understatement. And I, I don't think this is the last no-hitter you'll see. I, I just think the, the, the pitchers are way too good and they can spin the ball and so many different counts and a lot of hitters can't cover the entire strike zone. Right? Like most hitters don't have plate coverage. <clears throat> and what Velocity has done, which not a lot of people talk about, it kills direction. It really does. If I get a fastball in <clears throat> and I got a runner on second base with nobody out and I got a guy that throws 95 <clears throat> excuse me, ninety five miles an hour, I can't inside out that ball to right field because 97, 98 miles an hour is too hard to do that. I'm trying to be as short as I can and put barrel to baseball. Where it goes, it goes.
3: Yeah, it's it's just It's fascinating to me because we're getting them on the daily, at least in the last two days. There have been six already this year, seven if you – want to yeah. count the madison Bumgarner seven inning no hitter for arizona i do. eight i think is the record in a single season and you got to go back decades upon decades for that kevin like they, they're going to blow past that the funny thing is though is that you know you'd think in in this day and age of of hitting sort of dying off with the three true outcomes that you might get another perfect game or two and we know that carlos rodano the white <laughs> Sox got close to that back in april But guys walk a lot, like pitchers walk a lot of hitters. So you're going to end up with these no-hitters. You're probably not going to see the perfect games because free passes are issued like candy.
7: Yeah, no no fastball counts and spinning it from O-O. I'm trying to strike you out O-O. That you're getting my nastiest pitch. Oh, oh. And I'm going to empty, empty the tank as long as I can. That, that's the mentality of pitchers. And oh, by the way, the defense is standing eight times out of 10 where you hit the baseball. If I'm a halfway decent at locating something with a little bit of power and a little bit of spin, I have a great chance of getting you out. Makes it that much easier for really good pitchers to, to get all these people out. And again, I don't think you'll, this will be the last one you see. You and Blair
3: have uh, Baseball Central 2 o'clock this afternoon, and you do each and every weekday at 2 o'clock here on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, we're back at 7.30 with you on Tuesday morning. We'll be through the series ender with Boston tonight and the four-game set Friday to Monday with the Tampa Bay Rays. There will be a lot to chew on. These are five big games the Blue Jays have coming up. And then on Tuesday when you're with us, We'll also be teeing up the three-game series that starts that night at Yankee Stadium. So a lot of key divisional games for the Jays. Thanks, Bark. This was fun. Yeah, have a good day, everybody. You bet. Kevin Barker, a co-host with Jeff Blair of Baseball Central, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. We're back into the hockey for the full hour. Anthony Stewart, Justin Bourne coming up at 8.35. Andrew Raycroft, friend of the show, former Leafs goaltender, now doing analyst work on Nesson and they had an exciting game last night. The Bruins winning in overtime and up next, he's a former leaf and he's accidentally a former two-time Montreal Canadian. I mean, let's be honest about it. He is also a friend of the show. Shane Corson joins us in just a moment. But first, what we're talking about this morning on leadoff Sportsnet 590. The fan, we're all over the Leafs and Habs. Game one tonight at Scotiabank Arena. 7.30 start time on hockey night in Canada. Scores from last night. The Bruins with a double overtime win. You got to see this game-winning goal, a miscommunication between Justin Schultz, the defenseman, and Ilya Samsonov, the Capitals goaltender, left the puck there for Craig Smith to wrap at home. 3-2 Boston in double overtime over Washington. They take a two-games-to-one series lead. Carolina with a 3-0 win over Nashville. That was essentially a one nothing game thanks to a Sebastian Aho power play goal in the first. And then there were two empty netters in the final minute of the third period, including Ajo's second goal of the game. And upset or not? I mean, we'll ask Shane Corson and others this question. Winnipeg 4, Edmonton 1. The Jets with two empty netters late, so it was a much closer game than the score would indicate. But the key, Connor Hellebuck was excellent, 32 saves. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisidel didn't get a point in that game. And 6-3, Colorado beat St. Louis last night. They've got a two-games-to-none series lead. Nazem Kadri a match penalty for a shoulder-to-the-head hit. On St. Louis, defenseman Justin Falk, uh, we're awaiting the NHL's suspension or disciplinary action on that. Of course, Nazem Kadri is a repeat offender. The Blue Jays, 7-3 losers to the Boston Red Sox last night. NBA Western Conference play-in action. The Lakers, 103. The Warriors, 100. So L.A. is the seventh seed. The Warriors will play a home game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Because the Grizzlies, as the nine-seed, eliminated San Antonio, 196. X-Rap, Jonas Valanciunas, 23 points, 23 boards in that game. And so it'll be the Warriors and the Grizzlies for the final playoff seed in the NBA's Western Conference. Deep breath. <laughs> Here he is, Shane Corson, a Maple Leaf alumni, a former Montreal Canadian and friend of the show, as game one goes tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. Got to be unique for you, Shane. I mean, you're a guy who's played for for both franchises, so you have uh, a good or better appreciation for just the passion of the Leafs and Habs fan bases as anybody. This is what we've been waiting for our whole lives, an opportunity to watch these two teams go at it in the playoffs.
8: Yeah, I was lucky enough to play for both teams, um, like you mentioned, and two the best organization, sports organizations in the world as far as I'm concerned, not just hockey. And, and the fan base for both teams is just incredible. And you mentioned the passion. they got so much passion. They love the game, and uh, they are very loyal to their team. So it's going to be a buzz in the city, even though you know, there's not allowed to be fans in the building. I guess if it's a game six, there's going to be some fans in Montreal. But uh, still be a buzz in the cities, and it's going to be exciting. It's going to be great hockey, and I'm looking forward to it.
3: Well, hold Hold on a second. Did you suggest there's going to be a sixth game?
8: No, I said, yes. Oh, good. Okay. I just want to be, I just, I, I don't want you to radio yourself here.
3: I got the Leafs in five, Shane. I'm, I'm, I'm being arrogant and confident this morning.
8: Well, well that's good. I'm not painting myself in the corner. I'm just uh, saying I want good <laughs> hockey. I, like I said, I played both, both teams. So I want to just see them stay healthy and have a good series and uh, made the best team win.
1: What are both teams going to have to do really well to be successful in this series?
8: Well, I think it always comes down to goaltending. You know that, Ziggy. Uh, mm. You know, goaltending can win series. They can win championships. I, I've seen it with Patrick Waugh. Uh, I mean, the guy wins championships. Broder wins championships. So I just think it's going to come down to goaltending. Uh, you got to stay healthy. We both know that. Uh, playoffs, mm-hmm. to win the Stanley Cup, is one of the toughest. You got to stay healthy. So I think that's very important uh, for both teams. Uh, they got some injured players back. Montreal did. I think that's going to help. They're going to get Weber and. Gallagher back, and I'm not sure how healthy they are, but they're coming back to play. And uh, Toronto seems to be fairly healthy right now too. And uh, I think both teams over uh, the, the past summer uh, or over the off season, it's changed a bit with COVID. They've both made their teams deeper, so that's very important. Um, with Montreal, it's going to be the obvious—you got to have to try to shut down uh, Marner and Matthews. Matthews has come such a long way to become a complete player. It's really it was really fun to watch over the last couple of years how he's improved his game to a total game. It's it's pretty cool.
3: What do you mean when you when you say that, Shane? Um I mean, a lot of people have talked about Austin as now the complete player. What have you seen him add in the last year or two?
8: Well, we all knew he could score goals and play the offensive side of the game but he's he's become a complete player he plays in all zones neutral zone defensive zone he's good on face offs, much better than he was he just plays a complete game he's improved his defensive game and i think uh the, the uh and, and he plays harder every night i think that's important you're just seeing how good he is and i think he's just uh touched the tip of the iceberg and he's getting better and better it's scary but i think the older guys that came in like guys like thornton simmons have really helped him too and uh I think it's you give uh, credit to him too. He's he's taken that and used those guys and uh, got advice from him and uh, accepted the the uh advice from them and the help from them and it's just made him a better player all around. So for me it's just oh I, I, he was always a great offensive player, but now he plays all zones. I mean, to win when hockey games and championships you have to play a good defensive side of the game. You gotta be good in the neutral zone, no turnovers and then you gotta be able to put the puck on that and he's doing it all right now. So it's it's pretty uh, pretty amazing for him and obviously Marner's having a great year too and uh, you know, they've, they've
1: done a great job, those two, for dynamic. Well, well, yeah, and no, all, we're expecting them to have big post-seasons as well. When we watch the first couple of games of the playoffs, it's always noticeable of how the tempo changes, the energy level, uh, the physicality, right, from the regular yep. season. But uh, it, you know as well as anyone that you can't let it overtake your game where you're running around at a position and doing things you don't always do. How did you control your emotions for the first start of, of the game of the playoffs and, and you know, not do, you know, not, not play outside of yourself.
8: Yeah. You got to do what you do best. Right. And Bob Gainey was one that always said, never get too high and never get too low. Cause there's going to be ups and downs throughout the, throughout, throughout a game, never mind a series. And, uh, Bob Ganey is what taught us that. He just said, you got to go play your own game, stay within yourself and not try to do too much. It's uh, when you try to do too much, it's when you get yourself in trouble. As you mentioned, you get out of position, uh, you take stupid penalties. So that's uh, yeah, very important to uh, stay within yourself, stay within your game, stick to your, you know, your coaches has laid out a, uh, a program for you to, a, a, a way to play. And uh, he wants you to play that way and just stick to that. And, you know, it's not always going to go to, to uh, the way you want it to go right from the start, but if you stick to it, stick to, to your game plan, uh, uh, stay within yourself and play what's got you there. And, and like, uh, you're going to, you're going to be successful. And like you said, it's just, it's so exciting to get into the playoffs I and mean, it's just a different, different atmosphere and everybody's pumped and so excited to uh, battle for that Stanley cup. I think it's uh, something that everybody dreams about.
3: With Shane Corson on leadoff, off sports net five, nine the fan, the Leafs are undoubtedly on paper, the, the more skilled team. And, and yep. I think inarguably the, the better team, but take yep. us, take us back 20 years to the Pat Quinn days and those series that you guys Played against the Ottawa Senators, and I, I'm not sitting here and saying you guys didn't have skill. I mean, Matt Sundin was no. a w- wonderful hockey player, but yep. but but the Ottawa Senators, like Hossa, yep. Havlett, uh, yep. Havlat, Havlat, Yashin was gone and then back for for a year. They they had a bunch of guys. Wade Redden was at the top of his game at the time on on the back end. Sammy Salo had a, a killer point shot. Like, they had Alfred a lot of... bunk. Yeah, like, they had a ton of...
8: Yeah, they had a lot of skill.
3: Skill. And, and you guys went in there, Shane, and you shut them down, and, and you got into their heads. You roughed them up. I think there was one season there where you got swept in an eight-game regular season series... Mm-hmm. and then went in and swept them in four straight in the playoffs as the seven seeds starting on the road. Like how did, how did you attack the Ottawa Senators? What was the game plan from Pat Quinn, the coaching group, you guys in dealing with a team like that?
8: Well, to be honest, Ziggy mentioned it already. Playoffs are a different season, right? We were built for the playoffs. Uh, I hate to say it, but Ottawa's was built for their regular season. You can get, you know, score their points and, you know roll up their their uh, personal stats, but uh, when you get to the playoffs, it's a different game. And we were built for the playoffs. We had you know guys like Robs and Tux and Greeny and and Ty and uh, myself. We go to the, the to go to war and win the battles and little the little battles in the corners at the at the blue line, the red line. I think what, how we approach it is just going out and play hard and make it make it tough on them, slow them down, and punish them every chance we got. And that's what we did. And we got great goaltending from Cujo and. Uh, we were successful, but that was our plan. Was just to go out there and, and punish them as much as we could, and make it uh, make it uh, hard to play every every shift, and that's what we did, and it it uh, worked.
3: And you feel this Leafs team is built for the playoffs? Successful regular season, high skill, but built for the playoffs?
8: I, I think the additions they've made has, has definitely helped them a lot. I love I love I think he's going to help them in that area. You know, obviously Simmons and then Thornton. I think they've done some things that uh definitely helped them. Uh, and I think that uh, they have as good a chance as anybody to win. I, like I said, it comes down to goaltending. I know Campbell's played really well from this year. I'm, uh, you know, happy for him, that, and that's who they said they're they're going to start. So again, like I said, I always said I I believe they have a good team this year. They've uh, improved their game defensively, which is important because the defense showing that wins championships. Uh, over and over again so you have to be able to do the job there and i think that they've improved their defense too also and it's more deep now. And it's uh that's important too in years past they would have lost one defenseman it was there in trouble but i do think they're built for the playoffs uh, more so than they were last year time will tell we'll see if they're at, at the point where they can uh, win the stanley cup it'd be exciting uh, if they could here in toronto and uh time will tell we'll we'll see uh, the first game tonight it will be exciting.
1: You got to get in 17 games in your first full season in 86, 87, and a guy like Rasmus Sandy's coming in as a 21-year-old. Um, what, what is he in for, and how tough is it at a young age to be relied upon to come and make an impact
8: early? There's definitely a lot of pressure on you, but uh, I was lucky enough to have guys like Bob Gennie and Larry Robinson around. They just said, relax. I think we talked about it already. They just said, relax. and will play your game. Stay within yourself. Keep it simple. And play your game. Do what you did to get here. That's what he's got to do. he just got to go out and play his game. Keep it simple, and uh, you know, try not to be noticed when you're a player and you're and you're new and uh, a defenseman. If you're if you're not noticed, you're, you're doing something right because you're not making mistakes. I think that's the most important thing. Just keep the game simple and stay within yourself and play your game. And lean lean on the veterans for advice and uh, mm-hmm. throughout the, throughout the series.
3: With Shane Corson. So before we get you out of here, we're we're going to kind of put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> you, I mean you played, you played for the Habs uh, at a couple different points in your career, so I don't know if you're going to want to do this quite as, as clearly as you did before, but remember when you said this on one of your previous guest spots on the show.
8: <laughs> Please go: we
3: need, we need to refresh that. Are you, yes, are you yes, willing are you willing I, I, We won't send this to Montreal, but the Internet has its ways. Are you willing to, Are you willing to give us one?
8: Like I said, I want to see a good series. I want to see them both play well, but uh, I got to, I got to say, uh, I mean, I love Montreal. They gave me a chance to, 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 you know, realize my dream and play in the NHL. I love the city. The organization was amazing to me. And so was Toronto. And they have both good teams, right? I I just feel this year that Toronto's a little bit stronger. So I think the Toronto's going to win.
3: Well, he won't say it. I like that. That (laughs) is that you, you can, you can take the player out of the game, but you can't take the game out of the player. Love it, pal. Listen, um, It'll be a blast, and and like I'm expecting the Leafs to win this series. I think Ziggy is too, and and yeah. and we're certainly hoping. I mean, it, it's time yep. for this team to take that next step. So we'll, we'll call on you uh, later on this series, or hopefully once they're beyond it. Uh, always appreciate your insight.
8: Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. love being on with you guys, and yeah, it's going to be really exciting for both uh, both cities. And uh, like you said, hopefully Toronto has a great uh, great series. Uh, the city deserves it. And uh,
3: we'll see what happens here tonight. You bet. Shane Corson, uh, Maple Leafs alumni, Habs alumni as well. Uh, played for Montreal from 85 to 92 and again from 96 to 00. And played for the Leafs from 2000 to 2003. Wow. He hedged. Yeah. Put him on the spot and he hedged Ziggy. I can't blame it's him. I can't blame him. That's tough. It's he,
1: tough while well, you're doing alumni events on both sides. And I both agree. Side, yeah, oh. and Montreal brings them in. It's tough, right? <laughs> Somebody, somebody's <laughs> got the clip. The damn uh, internet,
3: yeah. man. You can't, yeah. you can't, you oh, can't yeah. say something in your city anymore no. and have it stay there. No. Man. Are you ready for Razor? Another friend uh, of the show. Yeah. Former Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender, uh, now doing work for Nesson down in Boston. They've got a two games to one series lead. Um. And I figure we got to bring him in with this.
4: Smith grabs the buck and scores! Oh.
5: Washington took a nap and Craig Smith answers the wake up call!
3: Well, Razor, uh, two things that, and I had no hot water in my condo yesterday. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know which one's more painful. I don't, I mean, I. What?
2: I mean, at least you can get out and about, and you know, go do some other things. You don't have to be in your condo all day, right?
3: I live in Ontario, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I go, I go boy. for walks, and I'm taking, I'm taking uh, life into my own hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so right. I, the 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 reaction of of Alex Ovechkin on the bench and all that, one of frustration, and he slammed his stick, and then he was. He was having words. As you watch that play, and Ziggy, jump in on this as well. As you watch that overtime play break down, Ilya off the Capitals' goaltender, Justin Schultz coming back for the puck, the Capitals' defender, there's miscommunication there. Who is that miscommunication on, and is it in any way related to the fact that the Capitals have a different goaltender playing every night?
2: I don't think it's as related that they've got a different goalie in every night. I do think that at the end of the day, that as, as much as I'm a card-carrying member of the goalie union, that, that ends up on him because at worst you have to get it away from your net. If you don't make a solid play, you rim it, you move it up the wing, just keep it away. That's the worst-case scenario what happens. And what, what, It was a hard dump, so if it's a little bit of a softer dump, Typically, the goalie's going out. He's surveying the play, recognizes where he can go forehand, backhand, makes a six-foot play, gets out. This one he hammered it in. So, if someone else does a good job getting out and stopping it, but it takes him a split second to find the puck and then find where everyone is, and that little hesitation caused the miscommunication, which then allowed Smith. Give a lot of props to him because he recognized it. And he took three hard steps, took the puck, and of course, he's on his forehand for an easy wrap. But A long story short, I think a little bit more of that blame is on Samsonov, the goaltender, to move it. But I don't think it's necessarily because they've had three goalies in three games.
1: Yeah, and that just, well, and they've played pretty decent, right? Anderson, Samsonov was excellent yesterday. I thought he looked comfortable in net, coming off of COVID, didn't give up a lot of rebounds, um, made some timely saves. But a guy like Tuka Rask just doesn't get any credit for anything, why why doesn't he get credit? The fact that he just we're so used to seeing him come up big in these moments, and he's a playoff performer, or is it something else?
2: Well, I've, we've been talking about it in Boston for four days. I've been talking. They've been they wanted to get they don't want Tuka to start the playoffs. They wanted Tuka out after Game One. Mm-hmm. Most people still kind of thought even after the win they could go to Swayman, who's the new hot young toy that. Had a really nice finish to the season, uh, but the reality is, it, the, the way he answers questions sometimes, the way he can be look lackadaisical, but you see in a game last night where the Bruins, they're horrible in the third period. Mm-hmm. They were giving the puck away, mismanagers. Was, Washington was all over him, had so many chances, but Tuukka's there. Excuse me, he's nice and calm, relaxed, and he just he's play, He always plays like it's a preseason game. But he's so talented. He's still competitive. And, I, you know, I think there's just a bit of a disconnect between the fans and, and that intensity that they want to see from a guy, especially here in Boston, that Tim Thomas had. But I think the players really appreciate having him back there. They certainly did last night in the third when, when they really didn't play very well.
3: With Andrew Raycroft on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan, I don't think there's been a better trade deadline pickup in the NHL this year than the Bruins nabbing Taylor Hall. Like he's, whatever whatever it is, the glove fits for him there, Razor. And I mean, the way that I look at it, and he's, he's, he's talked in recent days about not desiring to be the number one guy on a hockey team. He just wants to fit in. He's got a place on the top six. Like it, 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 it seems like it's just a matter of time once the season ends, whenever it does, that he re-signs with the Bruins. It's just, it's been a perfect fit.
2: It has been a perfect fit for both team player and and there's no question it's, it's it's the best deadline deal they've made here in in a dozen years you know at least since they won the cup and they brought in guys like Kelly and and Peverly at the deadline to win a cup they, it's it's been amazing remarkable how well he's played and how well he's been able to turn his season around and turn his narrative around. I mean, the goal he scored last night. The way he's playing, a two hundred foot game, it's he's a really, really good hockey player, and and you get the sense he's telling the truth when he he doesn't want doesn't need to be the main dog. And there's not too many MVPs that are like that. And the Bruins organization, the Bruins team, is a perfect fit for that kind of mentality, and it, it, he seemed to like it. and And now it's a matter of you know how how much of a discount is he willing to take because. There's a Patrice Bergeron, a Brad Marchand discount here in town, and that's kind of the cap. When you look at $6 million, 6.2, there's not, million, you're not going to make more than that. And how long the Bruins go, if if Taylor Hall ends up playing the con fight, that's going to be a pretty big discount he's going to be taking to stay here.
3: Aren't you, if you're Taylor Hall, kind of admitting your willingness to do that by saying, hey, look. I'm I'm not the top dog. I shouldn't be the top dog and I'm I'm willing to not be the
2: top dog. He's certainly taking the uh not his agent or an aggressive agent would be trying to mute him consistently because yes, he's saying how much he loves the city. It's like going into a used car dealership and your wife telling the guy how much she loves that car. Uh you're 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 fighting a different negotiation battle at that point. And, And that's what makes everybody comfortable or makes a lot of people think that this is something that will get done over the summertime, no matter how the next few weeks shake out.
1: What are your thoughts of seeing the fans back in in the arenas? I mean, in Vegas, it looks like it's just awesome in there. And Carolina's only at, what, 12,000? I think that's the loudest. I think they're louder than most rinks with 8,000 less people. What? What do you think of of fans back watching games in the seats? Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic, and it's it brought a different energy just watching on TV.
2: I know Tampa, Florida. I mean, that first game yeah. was electric. You know, people are standing the whole time, and so it's interesting because here in Boston, there's a lot of pressure now on the Boston Bruins because as of May 29th, we're full capacity. So oh, wow. the second round of the playoffs, the Garden will have. 17,000 people in it if they make it there and people are clamoring for it so it's interesting the governor sent this out three or four days ago and right away the fingers pointing at the Bruins that they need to get out of this first round so we can all have a full garden come second round
1: with Andrew
3: Raycroft on leadoff Sportsnet 590 the fan something to chew on brought to you by great Canadian meat uh I'm sure you got a chance to see the highlight of the cadre hit on Justin Falk. I mean, repeat offender in both the regular season and the playoffs. Leafs fans don't need uh, and Bruins fans don't need reminders of that. Where do you think this goes? Clearly, shoulder to head. Falk was eyes open, but out on the ice. Are you expecting a multi-game suspension here?
2: Yes you have to imagine the league's crack coming down on him again. You know, he's, he's going to pick up the phone and they're going to say, really, (laughs) like really again. And I think he's got a team in Colorado that it won't, he's not as important as he was in the Toronto Boston series where, you know, he really made a big difference in the series. I think Colorado gets away with it because they have Nathan McKinnon and he can basically win a series on his own at this point. But but yeah, you you just, you you just question these guys that continually do this. And we have this conversation with Tom Wilson and it's the same thing. Like how how they're not recognizing where they are in the league and where they are out on the ice and, and the situations they put themselves in. It's hard to it's hard to fathom. It really is.
1: What are your predictions for Leafs Canadians? Uh we've been asking everyone all morning on where you stand and what you think's going to happen. What's, uh, what's, uh, where are you at right now? with Well, reliefs, I, certain I, I'm
3: going to lead the witness. Do the Habs <laughs> even show up for game four?
2: Um, I was going to go gentlemen sweep <laughs> with, the, 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 <laughs> the, you yeah. know, they win it in home ice in five games. And somehow Carey price. Somehow Jake Allen find a way that the, the Montreal magic in the form, the bell center, but I'm not sure what they call it now, but, Gets them one win, maybe gets a, a two-one series, and then and then Austin Matthews scores fifteen goals in the next two games and, and closes it out.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I just yeah, no I
2: one's. See, I, don't I, see the, I don't see how they can stand up to Toronto. I, I I don't I don't see it at all.
1: I just think they're going to be in tougher than people think. I just if Montreal can find some kind of physical game to, you know, play for sixty minutes, I I think Toronto's going to. I think they're up for a challenge. I'm not saying they they can't beat them in four or five. Like I picked, my prediction was four or five games, but I just uh, at, at this point, I if the Leafs don't beat the Canadians, I don't even I don't even want to talk about that because oh. yeah. And I was even saying Razor like if it goes six or seven, I think that puts the oh. Leafs at a huge disadvantage for for a a series against Edmonton or or Winnipeg, doesn't it?
2: It does, and that's that's the one the the one concern is that Montreal finds a way to get a lucky one early, mm-hmm. and all of that the pressure is on Toronto. We know. I listen. I know. We all know that what that feels like and that means. And there is no pressure on Montreal, and they can that can, they can turn that around. And to your point, as the series, if they go even if they go six and seven, there's even more questions about this group and this team. Even if they win in six and seven. And, or if they get to six or seven, the pressure and trying to close out gets so much more difficult.
1: If you're Jack Campbell's goalie coach right now, or mentor, what, what are you saying to him before, before game one?
2: Don't give up any easy ones. Just be solid. Your team's going to score more than enough. Be, be focused. Make sure you don't give up any bad angle goals. Make the first save. Just play your game. Be solid. Move the puck well. Don't have any bl- Don't mess up behind the net like Samson. Like Just keep everything real clean and real crisp and let your guys score four or five goals.
1: All right. And PGA Championship at the Ocean Course in Kiowa. We know you're a big golfer. Have you played,
3: have you played the Ocean Course? I, I've played.
1: played uh, yeah. No. Have you played I've
2: Razor? No done it I haven't done it and I it's it's like it's it's been right there three or four times and I have it and now I'm really upset that I'm watching golf and I
1: wasn't yeah. there before but I, I got to play it a couple times yeah I got to play it a couple times it's pretty sweet what um who are your who do you got like who are your favorites I got three guys I got Tony Finau oh, you're gonna have to hit it really first? long the yeah. wind's
2: blowing it's gonna be 7, long short
1: 7800 yeah yards
2: yeah I don't think this short game is going to be as important. Victor Hovland, love that kid, love okay. him. And my
1: last pick is Alex Norin off the board. Oh, that's way off the board. Okay, way off. Very board. nice. Very nice. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm hoping Corey Connors. That's I, I got my eye on him. Yeah. I, he's got a lot of top tens this year, and and hopefully. You know, we we see some game out of him, but obviously the favorites: Spieth, MacRoy, Thomas. Everyone's going to be looking at.
2: Yeah, they're going to be bombing it around out there. Oh, yeah. But love golf, love major golf. Oh, so nice.
3: Well, you're going to have a busy day tomorrow. You're going to have Man. you're going to have a, a day full of watching the PGA Championship, and then you're going to have probably a seven period Bruins Capitals game. Since <laughs> these guys can't finish things on time,
2: I, I can't handle that. No sleep again last night. <laughs> yeah, awful, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it was a six thirty game. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> brutal.
3: Uh, always fun, pal. Um, you know yep. we'll be calling on you next week. Uh, there'll be plenty to wait. discuss.
2: Enjoy Toronto, Montreal Stanley Cup playoffs. I right. mean, that is the best.
3: So we enjoy. We will. Right. We will, especially when the Leafs win. Uh, Andrew Raycroft, former Leafs and Bruins goaltender, Nessan analyst, and uh, friend of the show. Stewie and Bourne for Hockey Central at eight thirty at about eight thirty seven coming up. Like we're stuck in like an '80s movie groove or something this morning. Where is like Michael J. Fox gonna jump into studio or something? And feels like it, it this is not from Teen Wolf, but I feel like it's something we would have heard on Teen Wolf when he went up for one of those layups or slam dunks. Here's Stewie and Bourne Hockey Central at 8:30. I'm pumped up, boys. That. Good selection here, Stewie. I like it.
0: Yeah, this is actually the theme song for um, Bloodsport. So the Kumite oh. is now starting for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are Frankie Dukes. and <laughs> So it's a big, big, uh, big, big match tonight against the Montreal Canadiens.
9: Unbelievably uh, good movie, by the way.
0: Yes,
3: yes. No question, no question about it. It's huge tonight, uh, guys. I mean, we're, we're geared. We've been waiting for this. This is like the four-and-a-half-month slog since mid-January. It's like, let's just get to the playoffs. Well, now it's here, and the sphincter tightens a little bit. Like, this is it for this team, Borny. It's time for the Toronto Maple Leafs to take the next step to win a playoff round or more, and, and for these young kids who have so clearly come into their own to come into their own in the second season. I think they're more than capable of doing it. I can't wait to, go, uh, to see them go out there and perform.
9: My, my favorite thing uh, this morning so far was talking to uh, Vic, a uh, uh, producer of your guys' show there, technical director. Is that the title? I don't know, Vic. Sorry. But talking Silent to Vic. Vic. The, guy, the
3: guy who's freaking out already yeah. about the game. No nap today for Silent Vic. Oh, the yeah, be-
9: no the best part is, like, he's vulnerable. Like, Leafs fans, you've got to admit this morning, if you're a Leafs fan, you're feeling a little exposed because this is this matters, and, you know, the, the stakes are real. You, the expectations are high. There's no excuses. You are vulnerable
3: stewie you got any yeah, calming
0: ten. soothing words
3: for silent Vic?
0: no i told Vic to throw on his wayne simmons He's like no i can't it's bad luck so again you got to relax and that's another thing with the toronto maple leafs and, and the fans now you got to trust the process now that this is not the toronto maple leafs have passed they're they're well rested they got guys back from injuries zach hyman uh you got nick felino he's playing some good hockey riley nash is making his uh his debut. So I think right now this team now they are proved that they're going to be battle tested.
1: What do you think's going to dominate the start of of this series? Do you think it's going to be a lot of goals right away? Physical guys running around. Montreal taking it to Toronto. Uh, Borny, we can we can start with you. How you how you see it starting up?
9: Well, I think the. Watching the other series gives us some indication of what to expect. And Toronto has watched the start of every other series. So, you know, going into it, they'll know what to expect, but just things tighten up. You know, I think of that Edmonton-Winnipeg game and, you know, you have two really, really capable offenses, two mediocre defenses. And what was their six shots per team in the first period? Like, it's just... Everyone is in their positions It's tight and there's not a lot of offense So I don't expect a a real outpouring Of pucks into the net But I expect tight hockey And uh, I think that's the way it's going to be All through the series
0: yeah, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but I think you're really missing the impact of the fans. Because after the stat sheet last night in the Winnipeg Edmonton game, they said there was 50 hits after the first period. I'm like, what? No, there wasn't. <laughs> but you see the other games that were physical, that had the physical element. You had the uh, the fans really into the game, where you actually heard every single hit, and you're really engaged. So, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are gonna have to find a way to to get in the game and, and not rely on that that fans uh, those fans that aren't in the stands right now.
3: Uh, Borny, start with you. Stewie, jump in, and Ziggy and as well. At, at what point would Leafs fans become worried in the sense that the Winnipeg Jets very clearly had a design to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and for one game, I don't know if it's going to happen in a second, third, fourth game, but for one game it worked. What would worry Leafs fans? What will the Montreal Canadiens try to do to shut down, in particular, Matthews and Marner, but also the so-called secondary help, the Tavareses, the Nylanders of the world?
9: Well, the the age-old trick is just, you know, you want to call it cut-offs or stings, but it's to run interference and slow those guys down. So they want the pace of the pa- pace of the game slow. They want low-event hockey. And if you look at the Oilers-Jets game last night, that's that's what both coaches played for, low-event hockey. And that's not... Uh, in favor of the teams with the most talent. So Montreal is going to want to slow the game down. And then the other thing they're going to want to do is, hey, Jack Campbell has zero playoff game experience. So I expect people crashing the net, pucks to the net. They want to make his life as difficult as possible and see if he's up to the challenge. Uh, Stewie's right that uh, I totally agree that the fans made a huge difference. But I'm hoping that seeing... The Edmonton Winnipeg game and being reminded of what that pace is going to look like without fans. Uh, both teams know what to expect, but um, yeah, Montreal, slow the game down and, and get to Jack Campbell.
0: Yeah, if I'm Montreal's coach, Dom Descharmes, I'm just running a big 40 on the board because you want to get 40 shots because that's the perceived uh, weakness, only weakness that this Toronto Maple Leafs has too. So I'm coming out playing overly physical because I'm going to challenge that power play because they've been struggling as of late uh, uh, as well too. I'm sure they've worked out the kinks during uh, you know this little bit of time uh, that they had off. So get to the net. Don't be afraid to put the team on the power play because it hasn't uh, been clicking right now.
1: Yeah, I I don't know I I don't I I love to take the first punch and play aggressive, but against this Leafs team, and if you're not going to dress Kakinami or, or Caulfield, I don't I don't know I I think something of like what the Winnipeg Jets did last night against McDavid and Drysudle. I mean I I don't know what you guys call that. Me and Scotty were talking this morning. Like, did they was it like an over exaggerated F three high? Um, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think you can shut down any of these four players like that, but some kind of version of that with a smart one-two-four 2 4 check. Um, Borny, I don't know what you thought of, of what the mm-hmm. Jets did last night, and could Montreal kind of mimic something like that against uh, Matthews and Marner? The
9: great strength, strength of the Leafs is that, you can't do it to everyone, you know. Like if you want to focus on McDavid and dry all fine. That's two humans out there. But like, mm-hmm. you can't say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put a lick in every single time Matthews is out there. Oh, and also do it to Marner. Oh, and also do it to Tavares. <laughs> oh, and also do it to Nylander. Like, he, otherwise you're just <laughs> yeah. running around like a madman. So, for for the Jets, that's what I saw is that they said. I don't care if we have to run out of position to finish your hit on McDavid and Drysaddle. Run out of position and stay with him and give him the extra shot. Like, I like that Neil Pionk is in McDavid's face after the first period and at the end of that shift. Like... The point is that it's not going to be easy for him. I think that's the Leafs' strength is that they have enough guys that if a couple guys get focused on, someone should still be able to score. So uh, there's no guarantees. Uh, we've seen it uh, fall through for them in the past, but I think they're built uh, with a, a bit more depth in the past to overcome uh, pressure on their top guys.
0: Well don't tell Steger about the pressure and getting in McDavid's face because, you know, you gotta protect the stars as he says. But um I, I think with the Edmonton oilers, what separates them from the Maple Leafs? Um Edmonton relies on a lot of um you know neutral zone plays, getting through the neutral zone, creating rushes off the fly. I used the analogy yesterday that the Bryson Deschambaults, their long game is really, really good. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, they can kill you off the rush. But, you know, puck possession in the offensive zone, they're very, very good where, you know, guys like Matthews and, and Tavares are really, really good down low. They can make tight plays and, and make those little shovel passes and, and create in zones. So they really, really um, have a really, really good short game as well, too.
3: How big is the next stretch for Jack Campbell, aside from just the desired playoff success, guys? Like, I don't think he's sitting here this morning thinking of stuff like this, but a good playoff leads to securing, I think, the number one job with the Maple Leafs at a camp next year, and then you set yourself up to have the opportunity to try to secure a term contract at a higher dollar amount. Like, the, the path for Jack Campbell to really locking it down here 10 years into his pro career begins tonight. And it'll, it'll play out one way or the other, morning
9: Yeah, it's a terrifying prospect. If I'm Jack Campbell, uh, I I've, boy. Tough to eat your breakfast today. Like you're right, you're bang on. Like it's not just about winning game one or playing well for the sake of the team wants to win a Stanley Cup. It's like the amount of money you and your next generation will have kind of hinges on your performance here. Like if he goes wild and you know he's unbelievable, the man's in line to make a lot of money. And if he if he immediately gets a label that he can't get it done in playoffs or he's a choker or whatever, it's like uh, that that doesn't get paid. So his future. Uh, opportunity and dollars and legacy it's all it's all on the line and that's that's fun for us as fans wouldn't want to be jack campbell but i'm sure he's happy to have the opportunity after years of begging for one
0: We all sound like uh, Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day when the aliens are coming. Like it's the playoffs, I know, but you can't be freaking out right now. And especially as pros right now, I can tell you right now, they're not really focused on beyond this first game. This this playoffs are a different beast. You can't be focusing on, oh man, I got to perform because I got to get a new contract. Mm -hmm. So I think they're taking it one game at a time. But the the pressure isn't really on the least because I think they've they've, they've answered a lot of questions throughout the year with their play and their systems. And I think they're going to be more than fine and jack campbell right now he's proved that he's a number one goaltender 17 two and two he's got top 10 numbers let's leave jack alone let's let him cook for a little bit here before
1: uh you know we, we assess where he's at long term with this organization are you guys okay with Sandine starting game one Borney over over dermon
9: yeah is, is bogosian healthy is he is he
1: yeah it looks yeah, like, he's like he's gonna against... play yep. yeah it looks like he's gonna play yeah
9: so then yeah i i am you know, it's tough, right? Cause they've had a mm-hmm. long road with Dermot to get here. Um and and Dermott's kind of been the guy all season long but listen Sandine might have been the guy if he had the opportunity and just cuz he's injured you can't say well sorry Dermott's been in the spot and he's been in the spot cuz Sandine hasn't had the chance to earn it and in the short amount of time that Sandine got in I think he showed himself worthy he also just is more versatile like he he can affect the power play and play some special teams in a way that Dermott can't so I'm okay with it I I hope he's able to to run with it You know, it's almost setting a guy up to to fail because you want to get the other guy in, right? So they're looking for your play to be poor, which is a bit of a tough spot, but uh, I, I
0: don't mind him being in. Yeah, it's a bit of a head-scratcher because you're bringing him in now to save the power play that's been struggling now for, I think, the last quarter of the season. And, you know, his development curve was was was, hint, was, was hindered by him only playing, you know, five, six games in the last calendar year before he got called up. I know he got injured uh, earlier on in the season too, but if this guy was going to come in and, and run that power play, I'm sort of, you know, bewildered. And why you you not get him reps during the season? Why didn't you call him up and put him in a position to see? I think there's too much pressure to be put on him now to step in and, and save this team because special teams is a big, big factor in the playoffs. So I'm a little bit wondering. Well, why didn't we bring him in? Why didn't you put him in there to, for a position to succeed earlier on in the season?
3: Was Stewie and Born on Leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. Uh, so we don't need to discuss early con Smythe favorites because we just know that it's Mark Andre Fleury, right, Stewie? Correct. Good. Okay.
0: Yeah, you heard me. You heard me. I, oh, <laughs> you heard me.
3: Damn right, I did. I tied. Twitter I, heard I, me too. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> and and then, and then you heard Twitter. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. you heard Twitter. How many games? For Nazim Kadri, Stewie.
0: Uh, I think he's going to get two. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention that he's not a repeat offender according to the rules. We obviously know he is. But, again, when you play on the edge, sometimes you cross it. But he has to figure it out. I know he's an honest player for the most part. But you got to figure it out because at the end of the day, you're going to be coming up on a contract uh in, in a couple years here. They're going to be holding this into factor when they're saying, hey, can this guy get it done in the playoffs? And right now the answer is I don't think so because he keeps getting suspended.
9: Is he not a repeat of, uh, offender? I
1: think it's two. Isn't it two, two years? Not according to Twitter. 18 months. Yeah. 18 months. Wow. It's 18 now? Yeah. I thought, yeah. Yeah. No.
9: Doesn't this seem ridiculous? Oh, like, God. he clearly is a repeat offender. But I guess by, it's a technicality. But it is funny. Like, he said, there's a, an actual quote from him that says, like, oh, it's a bit of a crappy thing for me to go through, like, getting traded over that. Uh, you didn't think I was going to do that for a third time, did you? Two's enough. And it's like, oh, that's <laughs> awkward. Well, this wasn't um,
3: a hit from behind, so it technically
9: is different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not good. Not good. But you
0: know what it makes you me You would wonder? take him like, back in a second, Scotty. Mac, oh, you yes. Know
9: that. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Somebody get
3: me the Baileys. I take a shot. Yeah. At every time somebody <laughs> says you'd take him on your team. yeah, And I honestly my, my, would.
9: Yeah, my, my theory now is that nazim Kadri doesn't care about winning in the regular season because clearly once he starts to care, he just can't hold himself back from doling out the cheap shots. It's just insanity that it happened for a third time.
3: Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Boston, Washington. Uh, these guys don't like finishing on time and I guess that's a, a testament to just how evenly and closely matched they are it's been it's been entertaining hockey and and who's been a better trade deadline pickup than Taylor Hall for the Bruins?
9: Yeah, he's been been fantastic for them. This uh, these are two great teams going toe to toe, to toe like heavyweight tilt here. It kind of strikes me, you know, it looked like an overtime last night, one of those awesome heavyweight fights that, you know, first round, the guys are throwing, they tag each other a bunch, and by like the eighth round, you're like, oh, this is borderline unwatchable. Like, they're just slow and beaten up, like the game really took a change of pace as it got later on, but to, to certainly two great teams, but they're they're taking it out of each other right
0: now. Yeah, and I've been calling for their downfall for like the last five years with the Boston Bruins just will not Same. die in the playoffs. And <laughs> you're looking at guys like Marchand having success, and we're just talking about guys that uh, walk the line. You see him after every single whistle. He's engaged. He's got the old stick around the guy's neck. Oh, it's by accident, too. So they're built for the playoffs, too. And, you know, you see what's going on with Washington right now. All three games, they've had three different goalies. So uh, I think Boston has a little bit more stability. But anyway, it's going to be a great, great series for sure. I think it's going the distance. All right,
3: guys. Happy morning show tomorrow or panic morning show tomorrow and you know what i'm asking you a thought on game one leafs and habs tonight who wins stewie
9: and i happy morning show right (laughs) Stu?
0: yeah leafs and one
3: (laughs) (laughs) that is the that that is better than the flurry hot take you'll be hearing from twitter on that one and a lot of it will be in french so just yeah. be Zootalore. Yeah, <laughs> Zut-a-lore. yeah Zut-a-lore and Sacre Blue. Sacre
2: <laughs> Yes, yes.
3: We'll we'll go over the uh the French the French curse words here, Stewie. Get you familiar with those. Uh listen, boys, it's a blast. It's finally here. Uh we're all excited about it and we'll be what? Four games in and looking ahead to game five, if the Leafs don't sweep, that is, uh one week from this morning. Can't wait. Thanks for this.
9: All right, guys. Enjoy your day. Uh, Vic, hang in there.
3: Yeah. Poor Silent <laughs> Vic. Go, <laughs> let's <laughs> <laughs> Poor Silent Vic. Just pulling away at that beard uh, yeah. this morning. Struggling along.
1: He'll be messaging me all day now. Just trying not to panic eat and pacing. <laughs> oh. some, take some Valium.
3: Have a nap at some point, Silent Vic. You'll need your energy tonight. Happy morning show or panic morning show tomorrow morning, Ziggy? What do you think? Uh, it's going to be happy. Yeah. Be I'm good with game, you. game, but happy, yeah. I'm with you. All right. We're back at it to break it all down. Six o'clock tomorrow morning. Elliot Friedman, Gord Stellick will be among our guests, and much more. Good show is next. Enjoy this warm Thursday. You could wring out a sweaty sock in my mouth.